My name is Josh Alvarez. And I'm Liam O'Donnell. And you're listening to episode 70 of Cinepunks. Cinepunks. So today we have our very special guest, yep. Mr. Rob Scavarla. You got that right. Goddamn right I did. I, uh, I almost feel bad calling you a special guest because this is what y'all need to know. Rob is like on the team. I mean, we've had friends on. Yeah. Right, mm-hmm. and we've had people who we say are on the team, like Wait, Evan, a Evo. We say we say Evo. Oh, he's on the team. Yeah, Evan on, on the, the team. team. Sean on the team. But Rob has actually done Stuff twenty times more us. things yeah. for us than either of those, any of those dudes. Yo, if you compared the Cinepunks output of Rob to that of Andrew Welbrock, oh yeah, Andrew's like a ripple. Andrew's like ready to do his second piece now, <laughs> and Rob is like a tsunami. Just saying. <laughs> Now Andrew's not going to write for me. I know, right? Andrew's like, fuck that, Liam. <laughs> Calling out all your friends on your show. <laughs> no. no, okay. So, yes, Rob is definitely a friend and a special guest. But um, chances are, if you're one of the um, thousands of people who flock to Cinepunks for the writing, mm-hmm. I assume that's right. I don't know if that's That true. is totally right. Um, then you've definitely read some of the stuff that Rob has written for us. And honestly, he's been such a strong part of Cinepunks that I'm kind of sad. I, I feel bad sometimes that we still have people who are on the team that we haven't had on the show yet. Yeah. Just a scheduling thing. But but we're rectifying that now with Rob. Rob today, is on, yeah. Episode 70. And Rob is someone that I think maybe not everyone knows who he is per se. Like it's not like we have he's like in a famous band or anything. But y'all have been to Philomoca and my man has been a part of Philomoca for a long How time. How long have you been with Philomoca now for? Um probably 
2013, so four years. Wow. Coming up on four years or no at shit. four years. I think for a lot of people, that's like the majority of their it. existence, right? How long has Phil and Mocha been around for? Uh, like in its current existence with um, Eric, Eric Bresler, who mm-hmm. runs it, um, five years and then a year before that. Um, a guy named Diplo. Gavin Hecker. Oh. And wow. then Diplo was lived. before that. Yeah, but it music, wasn't had Phil sex Mocha, with then. all of the wonderful people that he did that with. <laughs> What so the fuck, dude? so Rob, um, <laughs> you know he likes to party. I don't think you should doesn't? underestimate Diplo's love of partying. I mean, right. I'm just basing this off of the show. What what would Diplo do? Which, from what I understand, <laughs> apparently is there's no fictional. show called What Would Diplo Do. There is. is. Why show. is there a show called What Would Diplo Do? Because it because turns out because <laughs> it turns out James Vanderbeek is actually really funny. And if, and if you ignore his giant forehead, he looks a lot like Diplo. So he made a show where he is Diplo. And apparently Diplo isn't mad about it, even though he his character, the character of Diplo he plays, is the dumbest human alive. Whoa. I don't know. If someone was like, I'm going to make a show where I'm you... But I'm like the dumbest possible version of you. I don't <laughs> I think like, I would. I don't think I would be like cool. Sounds yeah. Cool. I'd definitely be like, yo, throw hands, son. Let's see what this shakes out right now. Diplo is so down with it that at four different concerts, he just left the stage and had James Vanderbeek come out as him, and the crowd didn't know because they're so, you know, it's like so many thousands of people they can't really see him. Wow. So James Vanderbeek is being Diplo. It's the only way they could get those shots for the show, and so like the crowd doesn't know. At one point, he's even crowd surfing, and I feel like people, the crowd are, who is are holding up, are looking like it doesn't look like diplo i don't know oh my god i love that james vanderbeek has been able to extend his career by being diplo because all i know him as is the varsity blues guy (laughs) right varsity blues and dawson's creek oh that's right he was a gif of him crying from dawson's creek will live on forever yeah wow yeah that's his contribution to pop culture well he (laughs) not only stars in this diplo show but he co-wrote it uh and it's pretty funny i mean wow some people did you watch it? it Uh, Viceland. Okay. The only channel I really care about at this point. Really? HBO. HBO and Viceland. That's about wow. it. Huh. There's, I mean, uh, Broad City's on Comedy Central, so I guess that's cool. Yeah. That's a good time. That's about that's it. That's a good time. Yeah. Right. Okay. <laughs> hey, Rob. Sorry, I'm not hip to the TV. <laughs> hey, hey, Rob. <laughs> I don't I know. know about your well, televisor. Well, it's because, Rob, you're so <laughs> urban, urbane. That you couldn't possibly watch TV like a plebeian, <laughs> like the rest of us. I'm one of those cord cutters. <laughs> is that what is that what us millennials are called? Oh, C- cord wow. cutters? Yeah, definitely. You're throwing out all these words, man. You're throwing out all these words. Hey, Rob. So you wanted us. What what, what was the topic that you chose for us today? Pseudo documentaries. Pseudo documentaries. So we I'll watched. Be, I'll be honest with you. I didn't even think about it until you even brought it up. And once you did, it was like, holy shit, this is genius. Thank well, you. Yeah, it's sort of the we we specifically watch. I mean, we're going to discuss other things. But we just specifically watched a few movies, and they were all movies I was aware of. But it had never occurred to me until you did this work for us by suggesting this topic to lump them together and mm-hmm. then talk about their influence on the culture sort of widely. I just knew that these things were weird things that existed, and I yeah. heard of all of them. I had never even tried to watch them before. <laughs> I, I had. Most people don't. That's the thing. I I think I'm one of the few people who actually goes out of my way to watch all of these movies. I previously likened them to like a Faces of Death type movie. Well, so yeah, that's sort of like they developed and Faces of Death was something that came out of that. Yeah, I would say Faces of Death is a direct ripoff, at least of the Mondo movies, right? Oh, totally. Well, we should say, so the movies uh, we watched were um, Chariots of the Gods. Mm -hmm. um, Mondo Kane. Mondo Kane. Is it Kane? Kane? Yeah. Yeah. Mondo Kane, and then, oh, what's the name of the other one again? Uh, the late, great planet Earth. Yep, oh. you got it. 
I'm not going to lie to you. I couldn't get through the late great planet Earth. It bummed me out so hard. Oh, that was actually my favorite of the three. Oh, we're going to talk baby. about that because I think me and Josh are on the same page where that one, for some reason, bummed us out more. It's not... I mean, it's, we'll, we'll it's, get we'll get to it. No, yeah, okay. there's a lot right. of interesting things to talk about in that movie yes. um, because it's just completely wacky. Well, I mean, I think we both got into it. It's not like it was five minutes in, but no, I, but got I like couldn't more than halfway it. through. Yeah, and I was just like, it just became a chore. So and hard. I was like, yo, this is fucked, man. I can't. But that's okay because before we do that, we have to get through our section. Whacking on track. track. So <laughs> I felt like I needed a little bit of foreplay before, but you, you just went into it. Yeah, no, it was good, right? You <laughs> Jump right in. You got to switch it up, man. You got to switch up. <laughs> so, Rob, as our guest, you have the choice to either go first in the middle or last. Would you? It's your choice. I'll go in the middle. Okay. God damn it. God damn it. Go in the middle. You go first. I hate it when he chooses the middle. No, you should go first. No, you should go first. No, you. No, you, because you never go first. Why don't you flip a coin? Oh, my God. Why, go why don't you just leave him go first? <laughs> <laughs> Um, man, it's been a while since we recorded, so I'm trying to remember. Yeah, we've done a lot since. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I'm trying to think. So um, I went not that long ago to uh, the Lethal Ladies uh, program. Oh, how was that? Uh, Mahoney. I went the first night. Uh, Rob was there with Sam Deegan, friend of nice. the show, awesome. future guest, and future re-guest, and friend of the show, past guest, Matt Garrett. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, excuse me. Um and I went with uh, uh, Adriana, who nice. writes for the site. And who helped us at the Punk Rock Flea Market. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Anyways, uh, so we went for the first night, which was Miss 45, Angel, and um, Lady Terminator. That's awesome. As is often the case with uh, the drive-in, I did not make it through the last movie because it's just too late and I just need to go home and mm, go Be to with your child. Yeah, but I love Miss 45. I'm a big fan. If Those of y'all who haven't seen it, Abel Ferrara movie, I just think, I, I, I actually think Abel Ferrara is one of those directors that if he didn't so clearly have an out-of-control drug problem, would have had a much larger influence on the culture. Like, I don't think, I don't, I, I, I haven't seen all of his movies, but all the things that I've seen, I think are great. Even the early stuff like Driller Killer is actually really great and has a lot going on under the surface, which is sort of how I think of all of his movies, that they're all these like seemingly just straight up exploitation films that actually have a lot of shit under the surface, which I think is what's going on with Miss 45. Is like, um... anyway, so I like that movie a lot. I had never seen Angel before. <laughs> That was my favorite of the night. <laughs> Rob, I, I got to I gotta see what you think of this. It feels like Angel is a mashup of like a Vice Squad style gritty 80s movie with like almost 50s level comedy. Like there are moments where the jokes are so cornball, especially from Angel's older uh, trans friend. Yeah. That some of the one liners coming out, of, come out of her mouth, you're like, what am I? Is this a... Is this a Jerry Lewis film? Like, what's going on right now? <laughs> but I think that adds to the charm for me when the rest of the movie can be kind of like, uh, okay. But what did you think of the egg sucking scene? Oh my god! Best moment in the history of cinema. It's so good. It's so ridiculous. Angel, I can't recommend it enough. Uh, <laughs> I've not who's the actor? It. Who's the actor who played the 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 psycho killer? That's like a known guy, right? But I, I oh, I forget. He's someone who you know from other things. Ah oh, fuck! This is the this is what Cinebugs is great at. Being prepared for these things. 
Well, I didn't know I was going to talk about Angel, so I guess I don't feel that bad. But I, yeah. it would be great if I was the kind of cinephile that was like, well, clearly it's so-and-so, and you know who him from... so-and-so, so-and-so. But when I looked it up, because I, I was, it was one of those things where I'm like watching it going, who the fuck is this, this guy? I know this guy. And then when I looked it up, it was great. It was great to know who that was. Anyways, uh, shout out to Mahoning. I didn't get to go to Camp Blood. Um, but next weekend, not this weekend coming up, the weekend after, the end of September is the Weekend of Terror, I think, is the thing. So, yeah. you know, Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2, Tenebrae, awesome. other things that I'm forgetting what they are. But um, we just love the Mahoning. So that's sort of... And I, I feel like that's sort of the big thing that I've gotten to do mm-hmm. is usually Mahoning stuff. Like, I don't think I've done... I haven't really been to any shows. I don't think I've... I, I guess... I don't know what else I've seen. What's What's come out recently? It. Oh, right. So I saw it. Yeah, we didn't talk about it enough on Cinepunks.com at all. Yeah. <laughs> Got like three, two episodes on it and one, two it's articles. Fine. Yeah, no, it's cool. Who cares? I mean, I think it was kind of a big deal, so I'm glad that we covered it. But um, uh, if you want to know what I think about it, then go listen ah! to Horror. Go listen to Horror <laughs> Business. That's awesome. You know what I mean? Like, you are, we did cover it pretty extensively. Yeah, we did pretty it. go hard, pretty, pretty hard yeah. on it. Uh, I also saw. Um, Logan Lucky. I liked it. Did I really like liked it? it. I thought it was really good. I'm, I'm a big fan. And what do you think I, about Daniel Craig? Seeing him in this movie makes me sad about the Bond films in that this movie, it seemed like he was actually having fun. And it mm-hmm. makes me feel like maybe he hates the James Bond movies because <laughs> there's no moment in the James Bond movies where he's having as much fun as he's having in Logan Lucky. Yeah. Like he's just, it, it's just, he's alive on screen in a way that I'm like, Oh yeah, he can oh, be a really. I forgot Daniel Craig like, watch. Yeah. can act and do things. <laughs> um, yeah, I thought that movie was great. I mean, it's light. It's not like a deep film or anything, but I, I really enjoyed it. I thought I also Kylo finally, Ren was good in it. Yo, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I finally saw uh, the Big Sick as well, which I also really liked. Dude, um, what did you think about it? I mean, I I liked it all the way through. It's entirely charming. I don't think. I mean, I think some some folks want more from it. Like, like it's about something, but it's it's just a personal story, and Dude, it works. The nine really well. eleven joke in there is the funniest. That joke is really of the funny. Summer. That is. Well, really did you see funny. it, Rob? I have not. There is a nine eleven joke in there that is so fucking funny that when it happened, me and Melania were both like, <gasps> and like, just look it was so good. It was so it was brutal. funny seeing it this late in its run. Yeah, because like it was just like four people in the theater, and like two of the people were kind of confused, like what they were watching. I don't know if they thought it was going to be more of like a goofball comedy, goofball it's hospital comedy. Definitely not that, you no. know. Yeah. But I really liked it. I thought it was really well done, and I I I already had a lot of respect for uh, Kumail. Kumail. But uh, I think seeing him in this role, I was like, wow, Kumail's really great, actually. Yeah. Like, uh, I, I don't know. So, But that's it. I feel like there's a lot of things. I haven't gotten to see Mother yet. I haven't mm-hmm. gotten to I'm see. I'm going tomorrow. Um, so I, I'm just not as up on newer stuff as I would like to be. Mm-hmm. And we're into like a tight season because Fantastic Fest is coming out, which means a bunch of things are going to come out. Yeah. Um, and just October for us is typically just real busy. Anyway. Yeah. Well, I'm trying to also cover the brooklyn horror film fest so that's a bunch of stuff that i'm trying to get to so mm-hmm. it's just a tight sort of time i i will say one more on track thing uh for those of you who somehow missed the announcement uh in november mm-hmm. we're going to be doing a special event for eric, uh, roberts, for is the man. eric roberts is the fucking man where we will actually be interviewing eric roberts dude it's so insane wait you're interviewing who eric roberts 
Is that what you said? <laughs> no, I, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. Are lie. you not supposed to announce it? I'm not gonna lie. I burped midway through Eric Roberts. <laughs> I thought you were saying it because Doug would be mad. <laughs> you say something about it on our show? No, Sorry, no, no. I had, it's call, definitely, I had to call that out because I was no, like, wait, did he? Did it's he been say announced. That? I mean, it was on like it was on like Entertainment Weekly and stuff. It like was that. on Entertainment Weekly. Yeah, 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 did like they say Liam O'Donnell? There's a lot of places where my name has been. Oh, geez, you're famous now. Yeah, what's it like being famous? No, I mean, I'm not famous because they're just like, these two assholes are going to interview Eric Roberts. It's It's so awesome, though, man. It's Patreon dollars. Uh, Yeah, man. I don't know how to turn that into... George, what are you doing? Oh, my God. He just wants to sit and be loved, man. Yeah, he just wants to love you. he's right on my headphones. Just let it happen. Just let it happen, Liam. He's only 11 pounds. It's fine. (laughs) Oh, my God. Go ahead. I hate this so much. Continue talking. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, with if, your you, story. if you can get to Chicago, uh, anybody out there, yeah, then uh, come out to this Cinepocalypse Fest. There's a lot of actually other cool things that I think are probably cooler than us talking to Eric Roberts. But uh, but in reality, nothing's for, cooler for than you guys us, talking to Eric Roberts. Well, for us, nothing's cooler than talking to Eric Roberts. I'm just saying, if you got a pass for Cinepocalypse, it would be cooler. There'd be other things for you to do than just seeing us <laughs> talk to Eric Roberts. <laughs> But that will also be cool, and we will we will consider um, taking people's questions that they tweet to us. Whoa! Look at that AMA. <laughs> Did you say AMA? I don't even know what that means because I hate Twitter. <laughs> Ask me anything. <laughs> it's actually originally from Reddit, man. Oh, another thing I'm unaware of and don't ever fuck with. Oh but that's okay. Gosh. Oh, Reddit's this great. Is, the Philly is... sub is the worst place on earth. <laughs> This is this is this is the thing, Rob. You don't understand. This is why the podcast will never explode because Josh's core audience is angry old people who wish the internet would leave them alone. Which, like, it's a podcast. We need yeah. the internet to live. I know. And Josh is like, oh, the what fucking station internet. are you guys on? I'm like, it's on the internet, guys. Take your Metamucil, we'll be fine. What time do they play you on WHYY? Can I call you? Yeah, it's it's pretty good. <laughs> you should take I, a call-in episode. I think it would be fun if we did an episode where people called in, but it would be hilarious because they some of them just wouldn't get that they can't hear it live. On, yeah. Like, we're just recording. Like, I got the radio on now. Yeah, no, it's cool. Have them send their voice messages to, like, a mailbox or something and uh, answer them on the show. I know there's a way to do that, but we couldn't figure it out. Yeah. Because I, I, we couldn't figure out how to get the, the audio files. But I know ah. people do it because I called another podcast and I left a long-ass message and they played it. And I was like, I didn't realize you are going to play the whole damn thing. Yeah, That's I've heard awesome. it on a few podcasts myself. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Hey, Rob. Yeah? Whacker on track, my friend. We have reached the middle portion. Your turn. Um. So what have I seen recently? I was at the Lethal Ladies. Mm-hmm. Nice. Uh, that you, was great. Do you guys enjoy like camping out and doing all that stuff at the Mahoney? I didn't camp out that night. We drove back that night. But do you enjoy sitting out there like that? Oh, yeah. I mean, I grew up with a drive-in theater less than a mile away from me, and it closed in the late 90s, but I saw a ton of stuff like Cliffhanger there, you know? Wow. That's awesome. So, yeah, uh, drive-in theaters are fantastic, and I love that, like, the Mahoning and the Delcia. Delcia, yeah. Delcia. Mm-hmm. I love that stuff like that still exists. Yeah. So um, I was there for that. I uh, loved all the movies. Uh, the next night, I went to the Italian Splatterfest. Got to see Tenebrae. Oh, I wanted to go to that, and I couldn't, awesome. I couldn't make it. Tenebrae. I will so say great. I was disappointed by The Other Hell. Which was an unsploitation film. That's why I was going there, and yeah. it didn't really like lead to anything. wasn't as you know crazy or lurid as I was hoping. Mm. Um, so that would go in your whack category. That'd go in my whack category. Fair. Fair um, newer films, a dark song. I finally saw, and two thirds oh, of that movie I is great. To see it. I wanted the to ending. See I'm not a fan of, but I understand why it's there. So I can't. I don't say know what this movie is. It's uh, released by IFC Midnight. It's mm-hmm. yeah. um, a woman has a tragedy in her life, and she turns to an occultist. 
to try and help oh, her. Oh, I did hear about this. Yeah. Figure out, overcome. I don't want to give away too much. Um, but the two actors are fantastic. It's yeah. basically just a chamber drama um, with black magic. You know, so that was fantastic, too. I heard good things about it. I really want to see it. It's it's hard because um, I feel like occasionally that's one of those movies that I hear about and I but I don't hear enough about it that like when I'm in my basement, I'm like, oh, I got to figure out how to because it's not you know, it doesn't pop up on Netflix. So I'm like, it's okay, a festival movie. How am I going to find this movie? And then you got to do work. And I think that's work worth doing. And it's maybe something that cinepunk should offer more of is like here is a description of this movie and a way for you to watch it yeah like that would be cool for us to do but i probably am like other people i it just goes out of my brain i end up watching something more obvious because it's in front of my face right and i mean i hate a lot of newer movies like a lot of new horror post horror good lord (laughs) no holy shit (laughs) no 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 for real this this, you are one of those people who like drive my other co-host justin lore insane oh no i don't believe in post horror i don't believe post horror is a no no but i know that the newer the movies that those assholes are describing that way yeah are movies that you don't interest. So like in one it's corner, not dis- it's not that I dislike all of them. It's just that most of them are movies. I do not like I, For example, the Duke is not a movie I identify with. Probably mm. I'm not the target audience. So I get that. But it's because um, you hate children or yeah, but I it's like stuff that that's, movie. I hate children. It's oh, stuff that's, that's like mm. been done before in other ways, like the changeling yeah. and other things. Changeling is great. That's so, one of my favorite George C. Scott movies of all yeah. time. I think my problem with a lot of those movies, like stuff that gets described as post-horror or new horror films, is that a lot of the people writing about them don't have a knowledge of horror as like a genre or their knowledge is so limited that they think this is like the first time something like that has happened. I will say this is, I I feel like this is one of the many places, this is the space to have this thought. This is one of the many places where movies and music sort of mirror each other. Like sometimes when you read about uh, certain people writing about punk or about hip hop or whatever, their influences clearly are only like a decade old. Yeah. So then they're like, oh, you know, so it's th- this really got on my nerves back when um, you guys remember this is this is an old reference at this point, but when Odd Future was first a thing, oh, and yeah. everyone, everyone was like, these guys are so crazy, it's like they're punk rock, and I'm oh, like, man, what <laughs> about hardcore? And every time I was like. It's not hip hop like and punk rock were contemporary. It's just a different form of rebellion. Yeah. You can't be in hip hop and then be like, oh, they're rebellious. It's like they're punk. It's like, no, nah. it's that it's that hip hop changed over time the same way that if you go to like current punk shows, that's changed. You can't go yeah. to Green Day and be like, this is exactly like bad religion. Like I get yeah. that Jay-Z doesn't seem like, you know, some of those early rappers or whatever, but the reality is hip hop started off as that same sort of rebellion. And when you write that, you just sound ignorant. I think it's the same thing with this horror. Like all of a sudden, these newer movies slow down and get more introspective, and people are like, "It's a new thing," oh, yeah, and I'm like, yeah. "It's a new or, epoch in horror making." But it's like, or we're just again. I've always said this. Whenever you know I'm writing music or whatever, I always tell my bandmates or everybody, like, "Look, man, it's not who's the most creative; it's whose references are the most obscure." And that is exactly <laughs> why this post horror hip hop thing we're talking about right now is a thing because people don't know the reference. Uh, yeah, I mean, the thing is, like I said, I don't hate every new movie that comes out. I just hate a lot of it that does, partially yeah. because of the people writing about it. Like, there are good horror writers out there. Um, Diabolique magazine has a ton of them. Uh, I think you have one of their writers upcoming, Sam Deegan. 
Look at him trying to do this like viral it's so marketing awesome. bullshit. It's so we good. We already though. just mentioned her like five yeah, minutes but, ago. Yeah. Just let it happen. Lee. But I'm sa- I'm trying. I'm also trying <sighs> to promote like good writing because yeah. they're they're an example of good writing. Like right. the Fred Central style of horror writing. Hey, look at this cool thing. Yeah. I, I hate that. It's almost like the grimoire of exalted deeds. From and New they Jersey. also love every new horror movie, whereas like. There's, there are, there are other critics that are more Sometimes I don't believe that, though. Like Some of those websites, when they're like every new movie they're jacking off to, I kind of feel like that's not real. That like they're doing that to to maintain some sort of relationship. To oh, you. Yeah, no, to totally. get the hits and all. And that's sort of like the thing. This is this is actually... The UMVs. That's sort of the issue with, with Cinepunks is like, uh, on one hand, I actually prefer for the site to be more positive. Like I, I don't want to publish a bunch of negative <laughs> reviews. But then my feeling is like, well, then that means we're just not going to cover some stuff because a lot of stuff sucks. Yeah. So, speaking like, of which, the one time I gave a bad review to a movie, Beyond the Gates, IFC revoked my uh, <gasps> my uh, access to their site after the fact. No, <laughs> really. I tried logging in afterwards. I don't know. Maybe I'm just like conspiratorially minded. <laughs> oh, but like, I, gave, I didn't give it like the worst review. I was like. If this came out before it follows, it would get the credit that it follows does. But they're both just kind of you know generic movies. Yeah, I'm wow. I am deeply offended by that. You sentiment. might be better off just actually promoting stuff. Well, and that's I, <laughs> no, no. I do think I actually do think that Cinebunks exists more for promotion. But I do think sometimes you have to like take a shot at something. So like I don't care. Like I've said this to some writers before. Like if 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 you if there's like a small like indie or even just not even indie but like just not that big movie going out of your way to like take a shit on it it's just boring like no one cares about that movie anyway but like if there's a huge movie that everyone has a boner for and you have a really good insight about why they shouldn't Mm -hmm. i might post that just because i like the fact that you're kind of outside the thing but like i really am not interested in a movie everyone is kind of agreeing is bad and you're like i also think it's bad let me t- give you a thousand words yeah. why i also think it's bad i'm kind of like i'd rather not but if you want to write something where you're like not only do i agree that this is good but i have a very personal reason why i think it's good mm. even though you're echoing what other people are saying i kind of like it if you put your own spin on it yeah. and then i'm I, i'm kind of into that but i think cinepunks is at its best writing wise when we're writing about shit that people aren't talking about that yeah. like someone's like no one's talking about this movie and I think it's great. Like when Hunt for the Wilder People came out. That's an interesting option. Uh, I don't know. I think a lot of people were talking about that. but I, I feel think, like no one was talking about it. Outside of the genre community, I can definitely agree with that. I think that's the mm. thing, though, is that that's, that's the other thing we have to negotiate with a little bit with Cinepunks, because I think the audience for Cinepunks podcast is mixed between... Music fans and movie fans. <laughs> yeah, so the movie fans on Twitter were like, Hunt for the Wilder People, oh my God. But then everyone outside of that film Twitter community was like, Hunt for the for the what? Taika like who? they didn't know what it yeah. was. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, weirdly, a lot of people still were talking about what we do in Shadows though. Like I still encounter yeah. people who like really know what we do in Shadows, but they've never know. heard of Hunt for the Wilder People. Or like boy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah so yeah, whatever. Vampires are sexy, thing. you know? Yeah. I, yeah, I actually think that's part of it. Plus and it's Jemaine hilarious. Clement is hilarious. Jemaine, uh, Dude, Jemaine Clement and uh Reese Darby. Dude. Yeah. That is all the hip references that you need. I'm just yeah. saying, werewolves instead of swearwolves, that shit is still funny to me. <laughs> Rob. Yeah? Do you have any other whack and on track things? Um, whack and or on track? I can't think of anything whack other than maybe the other hell. Uh, like I said, I don't watch... Oh, well, so I started watching The Devil's Candy, which is another new one. Yeah, yeah I heard good things about horror that. Horror movie. I Wasn't into it. I couldn't get into it. I yeah. got about halfway through and I'm like, uh, whatever. I mean, I like that Ethan Embry's wearing a sun t-shirt. 
Sure. Some of it. See, sure. I always just see him as the dude from. Um, he was in Can't Hardly Wait, yeah, right? Yeah, that's yeah, that's yeah. what I see him as eternally. And uh, Empire the, Records. <laughs> Empire Records, and he's the Kurt Vonnegut fan in Can't Hardly Wait. I can't see him as being older than like seventeen yeah. eternally. So it was kind of weird seeing see, him with the beard playing like what was it like black metal basically yeah. the whole time. I could only think of the one hard times joke that they made about Sun, which is a uh, uh, producer accidentally leaves amps on overnight, accidentally records a new Sun record. <laughs> <laughs> so good, so funny. I uh, I think I'll still watch it. I like Ethan Embry primarily because of uh, Cheap Thrills, which I oh yeah, that movie rules. Yeah, I will um, say I think I also didn't like it. I love heavy metal and I love heavy metal horror movies, and this wasn't like on the schlockier end of things like Trick yeah. or Treat or Black Roses, the type of movies mm. I love. Mm. So, how did you feel about Deathgasm? That was on the schlockier end, but it was one I can take it or leave it. I, I get why there's the appeal, mm-hmm. but again, it was like, I don't know, something about newer horror movies, just the way they're made, the way they're written. I don't know. Just going to mm. get into it. It came out at the same time that Turbo Kid did for me, and like for me, Turbo Kid was so much more fun than Deathgasm. I think it's an unfair comparison in that Turbo Kid is like next level to me. Like yeah. You know what I mean? Like Deathgasm felt like a... Death it was ga- fun. No, I Deathgasm, enjoyed Deathgasm. Deathgasm is literally the movie the special effects team from Ash vs. Evil Dead made on the weekends. <laughs> no, like literally, like they're wow. like, oh, we have a break from Ash vs. Evil Dead. Let's film some more of Deathgasm. Like, that you know what I mean? Awesome. Like, I've also only seen it once, and I saw it at uh, Liberty Lands outside oh, yeah. with a we crowd of people. Yeah. So, I if I watch it again, I probably would not like it. I think I enjoyed it more because of the crowd responding to it than yeah. I would yeah. actually on my own. It's not a great movie, but I I still like it. It's fun. I mean, don't there's think parts of it that are super charming. Yeah, um, I would agree. But I, you know, it's it's pretty light. But <laughs> I I would take a one of those over any of these like Blumhouse sort of bigger yeah. jump scare Johns, you know, then I'm with it. Yeah. I'm I don't know. It. Blumhouse has some, didn't they do get out? Was that Blumhouse? Yeah. So, but there's, uh, from my understanding is there's a, uh, and maybe I'm ignorant about this. So take it with a grain of salt that there's Blumhouse distribution and there's Blumhouse mm-hmm. production. Yeah. Oh, okay. So I think Blumhouse distribution is actually killing like between Blumhouse distribution and uh, what is it? A, what is the other company? A24? Yeah. A24 is crushing the game. But right I'm saying now. between A24 and then Blumhouse Distribution, it's awesome. But I think Blumhouse Production is still like more Conjuring movies. More purging movies, yeah. See, yeah. I will defend the first Conjuring. I haven't seen the sequel yeah, I actually or the think, Annabelle movie. I actually think the first Conjuring is great, too. Yeah, yeah, but, me too. But the we, second we, one is not so great. And I well, want to like it because it's based on a story that I love, The Enfield Poltergeist, yeah. which was the foundation for um, Ghostwatch, the BBC sure. production. Mm. So That's on Shutter right now. You should watch it. I just watched it a few months ago, and it's still fantastic. The I watch con- it every the, year. The Conjuring thing is kind of the Conjuring thing is a little fraught for me because on one hand, Justin Lore, Justin Lore likes those movies. On the other hand, he hates the the yeah. what is their names? The Ed the, Moran Warren. The yeah, Warren. he has no, this, he should. There's he has this fraught. huge chip on his shoulder about it. So like, whenever it comes up, we talk about both the quality of the film and then also how he feels about the Warrens, you know. Yeah. And I'm always kind of like, you could just stop seeing these movies, and then you wouldn't have to worry. <laughs> he wouldn't about be it. conflicted at o- all, only because I. I really don't. I mean, he. I think he kind of liked the sequel. I don't think he likes the Annabelle movies. I don't know. Maybe he does. I'm not I haven't sure. seen the Annabelle movies. But uh, mm. but I really think that first Conjuring is pretty good, and yeah. it doesn't matter. The whole Warren thing is sort of ancillary not to the fact to that Lily Taylor is amazing. Yeah, 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 yeah dude, yeah. I love her so much. I really okay. do. Ever since Dogfight. Hey, we should jump into your because oh, you yeah. always have a million right. whacking on tracks. I do. Uh, and you know we haven't talked in so long that I do have a million. <laughs> I bet you actually really do. Yeah. Well, because like you know, uh, every weekend that I'm like 
sitting at home with Maeve trying to get her not to cry while I'm watching a movie. Yeah. You're like, party time. Excellent. <laughs> 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 this is definitely true. This is definitely true. So on track, I played a show with my favorite band from Philadelphia, uh, Open City. Oh, yeah. And Ooh, I did that it was a while twice. Ago. Yeah. Ooh. I was Kochiyama. My other band played, opened. And the material support from New York City came and they played. And then Solarize played and then Open City. And it was all at Everybody Hits. It was like a family affair. It was one of those like, everybody here is my homie. You had a good time? Yeah, it was really, really fun. It Did was, a lot uh, of people come out? Did you feel good about the turnout? Yeah, it was pretty packed. Cool. You know, all the bands got paid. Like, everybody had some fun. We had some money to donate to the touring band. And it was just a pretty ridiculous night, I feel. And then, um, so that was on track. I saw Close Encounters of the Third Kind. In RPX uh, IMAX. Yeah, sure. And I'd never seen it in its entirety before. Really? Yeah. So watching huh. it like for the first time in this manner was amazing. It was super fun. I mean, like you guys heard this movie is pretty cool, right? Close to kind of the third I've kind. heard it's pretty Who made okay. It? You might have heard of a guy, Steven, I think his name is. So um, yeah, that was really, really... Sp- is Steven Spielbergo? <laughs> yeah, he, he's going to change his name later in his career. But uh, Did he make anything else after that? Uh, yeah, he made a movie called Mac and Me, and I believe <laughs> he directed uh, Batteries Not Included with uh, you know, Ethan Embry. It was great. <laughs> but um, <laughs> I, I heard he was attached to Goonies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He might have did a Goonie or two. I don't know. But anyway, Close Encounters of the Third Kind, amazing movie to see. Have you guys seen anything in RPX yet? No. Yeah, I mean that's where when we went and saw it, we saw it. It's just oh. it's just louder though, right? It's a no, bigger the screen seats and it's rumble when the when the movie gets to a certain. That's a different. So the so RPX, it's like William Castle, the R- William Castle film, the RPX it felt very in. in- it felt very immersive. The RPX by us is just louder. It's like seven, you know, like most theaters are five one, and this is like <laughs> seven two, I think. Dude, this was the chairs were shaking. It was amazing. It was super duper fun. I love that the the chairs were. I know. Is it great? It's like you're at a ride at Disney World, dude. And like the spaceship shows up, and you're like, like rattling in your chair. And me and Milani were sitting next to each other. Like, this is the greatest movie experience of my life. At the risk of hyperbole, um, I finally saw. <laughs> I saw Wonder Woman. Oh, you had never seen it. I hadn't seen it. Yeah, fine. What, what did you think? Well, it, we had the rare experience of being the only people in the theater. That's cool. Really? Pretty that's good. surprising. That's like Obi's dream. Our friend friend of the podcast, former guest Obi, that's his dream to see a theater with no one in it. I did that with House of the Dead. Oh, yeah. Imagine how awful that was. So that, I got to laugh uh, and make jokes. Yeah. And it was wonderful. That's Not the movie, time. my experience. Yeah. <laughs> Experientially, great movie. I saw um, Lemon. Did you see Lemon? No. Lemon. Uh, I didn't even really hear about Lemon. What is Lemon? Lemon is a movie starring um, Brett Gelman, who's on Eagle Heart. He's like that yeah, weird no, comic he's, guy. He's great. Yeah, 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 he's hilarious. It was actually written and directed by his wife. Um, it is a really bizarre. Like Michael Sarah's in it. It's a weird movie about like you know how Brett Gelman's comedy is really weirdly stilted. He's like just yeah. a lot of like strange awkwardness. It's an entire hour and a half of that. Where he's like a teacher in an acting class, and um, he's got Michael Sarah is in his is in his class, and he's like a star on the rise, and Brett Gelman's trying to like be cool with him. So like if he goes up in the you know the stratosphere, Brett Gelman can like follow him or whatever. And while this guy, his student, is getting all these acting roles, Brett Gelman's getting all these like commercials and stuff, and it's like really weirdly like just a tale of perpetual unfulfillment. Sure. Oh, so oh, that sounds exciting. It's really good. I'm actually really stoked on that. It's actually really yeah. His wife. He's name, so good. You saw the the um. Did you see his special with the black folks where he stages the fake shooting? No. 
He is it on Viceland? <laughs> no, what? it was. A, you didn't know it was an Adult Swim thing, and it, it's filmed as if it's a special where he's going to talk about race. And he's like, in his talk about tough talk about race, he's like just keeps fucking it up, fucking it up, and he's trying to win these folks over. So he has this cop come in, and he like, <sighs> oh, wow. Shoots this cop, and that proves he's like down. But they're all Whoa. really upset. And then a real cop shows up, and it's like, no, wait, I didn't actually shoot this cop. And then the real cop just shoots one of the black folks randomly. And then he's just like, well, this didn't go how I wanted to, and then that's how it ends. <laughs> oh my God. And it's all played straight. There's no jokes. Dude, see, that's the thing. Like, that's so how. Weird. That's how he is. It's it's amazing. It's actually amazing. And it was so controversial. And they even played it for test audiences, and they were all really offended, and they did it anyway. And, oh my God. Yeah. So wait. Where Genius. is this on Adult Swim? It was on Adult Swim. I don't know if you can still find it. I forget what it's called. It's like Brett Gelman's America or something. Well, his uh, his wife is named Janixa Bravo, and uh-huh. she wrote and directed this movie. It's uh, I think it's her only feature. But man, pretty weird and awkward movie that's really really like uncomfortable to watch, but also really kind of fun. So uh, I saw that. I really enjoyed that. And um, yeah, I also saw Logan Lucky. Um, I think we talked about that. I saw Rocky Erickson and the Death Valley Girls. At, I wanted to um, go to that. He's so amazing. How Dude, was that? that? Okay, so I, I got the ticket from friend of the show, Grace. Right, My friend Grace gave me a ticket because she ended up not being able to go. So I only had one ticket. I went by myself. Um, friend of the podcast and tattooer Sean Barry was there, so I got to hang out with him and Heidi. And um, it was just like a bunch of like weird random people who I didn't think I'd see at a Rocky Erickson show. But sure. I mention it because Sean is one of my good buds at this point. The dude is like just a grumpy old tattooer. Standing right behind him were like three female revelers that were going crazy, like headbanging and doing cartwheels and stuff. And as the Rocky Erickson set goes on, Sean is getting angrier and angrier and angrier. So as a spectator, I'm watching like steam rise off of this angry man's head. And it's the funniest thing I've ever seen in my entire life. It's so hilarious. Meanwhile... Rocky Erickson is just sitting on the stage with a guitar hanging around him, and he's singing, right? But sure. in between songs, he's not saying anything. And his whole band is like, sitting before you is Rocky Erickson. He's turning 70 this year, guys. And everyone like claps, and he's just sitting there. And they're like, he was part of the greatest rock band ever, the 13th Floor Elevators. And like reading out this weird resume, and he's just sitting there, and then they just go into the next song. And he's just like, tonight! It's a night of the vampires. <laughs> like it's just so fucking crazy. I mean, you've seen the documentary about his life, right? No, I it's have fantastic. not. Is it? Is yeah. it? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I think the thing with him, I was actually talking to a friend of the podcast, uh, the OG Gavin, about this. Right. Was that, Gavin there? No, no, no. I was just talking to him about. So he saw I had I had expressed interest in going to see Rocky Erickson, and right. he maybe was like, "You're down with Rocky Erickson?" I'm like, oh, blah, blah. So he started talking about it, and he said he wasn't going to go to the show, and I was like, "Why?" And he's like too much irony like that that rocky erickson is actually like suffering and that those lyrics are not like him being fun it's like him being being psychotic like crazy person psychotic yeah and so like he just feels like the vibe is way heavier than people people treat it like it's fun and it's not fucking fun yeah and so for him he's just kind of like i don't want to be in that room and watch these people having fun he's like i really appreciate the music and i really appreciate the art he's making out of his sickness Mm -hmm. But I don't trust the other people there. I don't trust yeah. that they're there for the same reason. So I just don't want to go. No, and I get I, that. And I, and it's I the same way that. when you see Daniel Johnston, right? Yeah. It's like oh, yeah, exactly. all these people are like, we love you, daddy. But it's like, bro, he's like having a time, man. Like, that's a thing. I mean, I, 
you know, I work with psychotics all day. So it's kind of like one of those things where it's like I get it and I understand where like the pain is coming from and how that translates, you know. But definitely a bunch of it was the weirdest crowd I've ever seen at a show. There was a bunch of ladies with tote bags, like old ladies with like non-ironic tote bags and then just a bunch of like weird crusty punks. So, and like, the ladies with tote bags were actually, like, OG. They were probably... They yo, probably they probably, probably were high so. as shit. Yeah, it was amazing. These look like high soccer moms. <laughs> so, you know, that was pretty wild. Have you heard the Death Valley Girls? Uh, I have not, no. That band is, like, a weird death rock band, and they are amazing. Okay. They rock them up. I love so death rock. fucking hard. They, dude, they were just so good. So, highly so, recommended. I just want to jump in real quick because for when we were talking about Brett Gellman because I tried to look up that thing on his imdb and it doesn't look like it's on there yeah. but i found a wikipedia entry for dinner with friends with brett Gellman oh that i friends. heard about that wow. that that was a wild it's super fucked up and it's so fucked up that you really need to see it so i just <laughs> again not to derail what you're saying i just want to say that to like yo check it out if you can find a copy of it it's worth watching that's awesome so um yeah so that's it uh as far as whack goes it was whack that um uh i missed jawbreaker Yep. Playing their first show in 21 years at Riot yep. Fest in Chicago. But yep. I went to Riot Fest for The Cure two years ago. I'm never going back. I saw The Cure for two hours that day, and it was the greatest cinema, like the greatest concert experience that I've had in a very, very long time. And I'm I will jealous. never forget it. They played everything. But then I wanted to go this year for Jawbreaker, but then I was just like, do I really want to go to, all the way to Chicago for Jawbreaker? Like, I don't really. I mean, I love Jawbreaker, but am I going to do it for Queens of the Stone Age and Nine Inch Nails and all these other bands that I'm not as much a fan of, you know? So, sure. So that was kind of whack that I missed that. Uh, also, very, very whack is the passing of friend Max Moya. Were oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I guess I guess it's weird to do that in the whacking on track section, but... Um, it's totally whack. I know. It's just, like, more serious. Like, it's certainly more whack than, than not seeing Jawbreaker. Right. I'm not saying that they're on par with each other. <laughs> no, I mean, like, dude, it was a bummer because, like, we heard about it Wednesday. Yeah. You know, and uh, Max. I, I had heard that something was going on. Yeah. And then all of a sudden I started seeing the memorial post. And, I was and like, it was oh, no. such a bummer. Max was one hell of a dude. Beautiful gentleman. He, um, I, I knew him tangentially for, like, a long time because he was in, like, Nine Circle. He was, like, one of those old hardcore kids in Philadelphia. So just growing up, you just see him at shows, right? And then just, you know, when Only Glory became a band, we played three shows only, but we played with him each time, I think, or at least he was at every show. Because uh, you played with Ian Alive a few times, We right? did, yeah. yeah. And, like, he was just always, like, real weirdly complimentary, and I'm just like, I'm just playing this thing, man. He was, like, just really psyched all the time, and he was just a really nice guy, so. Yeah, I didn't know him very well. I only met him a couple times. I was a Heidnik fan, so yeah. I kind of knew him for that. <laughs> Heidnik was awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but like he was friends with a lot of people I knew, and they all th thought of him like as one of the Wait, best. Wait, Heidnick was the name of the band. Oh, it yeah. was, as in like Gary. Heidnick? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. They're pretty metal. Yeah, <laughs> a good time. they were. They're actually really. They're really fun. So that so, was whack. Passing of Harry Dean Stanton also oh, whack. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was a yeah. big hit. Passing of Grant Hart also a huge fuck up thing. That's terrible. It's yeah. been a, an awful week or two now. Yeah, man, it's yeah. been a rough style, man, for sure. So I, got, I gotta say that you know, if you don't know, Harry Dean Stanton is like one of the greats, and I've seen a few people who just. You know, they think of him as just uh, that guy in Repo Man, and it's like yeah, ordinary he, fucking people, man. I hate him. No, and don't get me wrong. Like Gr Repo Man is great. Fucking um, cool hand, Luke. Man, well, that's what I'm saying. Like, I think a lot of people know him from Repo Man, or they know him from Escape from New York. Right, two movies oh, I love. Yeah, but Paris, Paris Texas. Texas, or yeah. even cool Christine, hand Luke, or you know? fucking Christine, Alien. Fucking you know, like Jesus. Alien. Yo, 
Avengers. He's been in everything. Seriously. He, the, the thing is, is like I, I think he is someone who cinephiles have a lot of respect for, but maybe the rest General of the culture, really they don't know. So and, and, and if you're one of those people who's sort of on the fence when it comes to film, I just think he's someone you should look out for and check out some of the things he's done, especially the things he did a lot of things as a side. He brought a lot of, he brought a lot of himself to roles that were small roles, but there's a few roles he managed to get in his career that were larger roles. Mm -hmm. And I think that was scary for him as a character actor to suddenly be focal focal and and he killed it every time like my man has never yeah. not been good in a movie no matter he what, has a record no matter what Spotify. that movie was he was amazing at it yeah. wait what kind of record is on spot it's literally him with an acoustic guitar and some sticking a recorder yep. in his face it's <laughs> amazing i also recommend the documentary that came out recently about him is yeah. really good and there's an extended conversation with him and david lynch in it that's really interesting that's awesome so yeah so that's whack um also yeah grant hart husker do is one of my favorite bands yep that shit's brutal, man. Fifty six years old, it's crazy, man. So yeah. it's a bummer, you know. Rough, rough, few rough, days. rough couple days. That was all, and then you know, the the wrestling. Um, oh yeah, uh, what is what is Bobby, Bobby the Brain, the Brain Heenan? Yeah. Oh, he yeah. died. Mm -hmm. Yeah. God damn it. Yeah. It's, it's all no, last it's week. so many amazing people in just like two weeks, and yeah. and again, they're the sort of folks that like. If you know about, you know what I mean? Like the whole culture isn't like Bobby the Brain Heenan, but a lot of people were impacted by him and by his work. I mean, he didn't wrestle that much. No, but if you don't like, like Bobby the Brain Heenan, I don't want to know you. <laughs> I appreciate it. I appreciate Fair it. enough. All right. So that's it. So I just want to say love you, Max. Sorry to hear. Yeah. Rest in peace. I, you know, lots of love to all the people. Like I said, I didn't know him that well, but a lot of people who I love uh really cared about him and i yeah. know it has to be a really hard time right now so, and for his family you know that's yeah. that's a lot yeah so heart goes out to hit to his friends and family and uh yeah so that was that <laughs> so when we come back we will discuss our topic sorry to bring it down y'all but <laughs> we'll discuss our topic of pseudo documentaries pseudo documentaries i like how josh has like keeps looking at you like what is it what are we calling it and maybe when, some conspiracy theories. Yeah, and some no, that's true. Oh, and dude, talk about how so racist great. ancient aliens is. Oh, my that's God. racist. Right. All three of these. That's, all that's three of these hook. movies. Yeah, I know, okay. but people forget that ancient aliens is racist. And there's a good reason for that, which I'll get into when we talk about *Chariots yeah. of the Gods*. Okay, let's take when a break. we return. Actually, the guy. Oh my love, look and see. The sun rising from the river Nature's miracle once more Will light the world But this light is not for
There you go. <laughs> I think it's recording. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, Woo. welcome back. Here we are to discuss pseudo documentaries. <laughs> Did you invent that term, or is that a thing that exists? No, it's actually a thing that exists. Well, and we, and we, you know, I don't think these are the only. It, these three are not necessarily the only ones, but I, I feel like when you were talking to us about it, you kind of drew them together in certain ways that I think will be interesting for our discussion. So there are other pseudo documentaries out there for those of you who care about this sort of thing, but right. all three of these kind of form, I don't know, maybe like a line axis of, of evil. Yes. An <laughs> axis of so evil. Talk to us about the generation of this idea. Like, were you always interested in this kind of thing? So or? I actually write about it. Um, I'm in grad school right now for communication. It's more mm-hmm. of a professional program, but the way um, my program is set up at Drexel, it's, they don't really know what they're doing with it yet, so it's mm. had a number of changes. So a lot of it's a mixture of communication theory and then like, here's how you write a memo, right? which doesn't really seem like it should go together and it probably shouldn't, but I have a background in media studies and communication theory, so it's stuff I've been interested in. Mm. And I've written about conspiracy theories for that and I've written about them um, just personally. Like I got published in Atlas Obscura in July nice for writing about... Um, uh, the Procter and Gamble satanic panic theory. Right. Congratulations. Uh, yeah. So like it's stuff that I've been interested in for most of my life uh-huh. and it's just something that's always been fascinating. Uh, I found fascinating. So pseudo documentaries are one of those things that I've watched just out of curiosity because mm. of the conspiracies that are always attached to them for some reason. I don't know if it's like a chicken and egg thing where it's like, which comes first, the conspiracy or, or the film or the film. Yeah. But um, it's stuff that I've just been attached to for most of my life now. Fair enough. Fair enough. That's a, that's actually pretty hilarious. But uh, only because it's like, dude, when you think about these movies, the only thing I can think of is like those anthology cartoons of like Warner Brothers where they'd be like, here's Mr. Duckbill Platypus. There's like the narrator. And then it's like the cartoon Duckbill guy with like a bowler hat. Like, how do you do? Like, you know, and then they say like something weird and, you know, they just move on. That's such a random. I know. I can't <laughs> help it. That's exactly what I thought of as soon as I saw it. And I don't. I'm not saying you're wrong. It's just funny because I was I like it was not where my brain went at all. But then when he said it. Well, and I, so this is something I think Josh uh, is sort of pointing at something, though, which is that with um, the earliest of the, th- the three movies that we watched was Mondo. Mondo Kane. Mondo Kane. A Dog's Life. And right. Mondo Kane. That's this is what I was wondering if you could enlighten us. Is that a new thing? I mean, I know it's new in uh, the exploitationiness of it, but is that style of you know? And here's what they do in Bora Bora, blah blah. Is that new, or were there already sort of newsreel types of things going on? You know what I mean? Does that make yeah. sense? No, I mean there'd always been newsreel style. Like here's what's happening overseas. Here's what's happening in this culture. Like. There were always sort of educational films, just not in that style where, you know, you're seeing a goat get clubbed in the head or something like that. Yeah, Mondo, it, it's, it, it feels it's like... It's a rough film. Well, yeah, well, and first of all... so. First of all, let's just straight up say, for those of you who don't know what it is, Mondo Kane is a sort of uh, tour de force around the world. Right. And a lot of it is clearly real because it's really violent and then and a lot really of it is filmed. clearly yeah. staged fucked, like just staged bullshit like and and even to the point where some of it is so ridiculous like one of the things i thought of was when they're showing the chinese uh eating the dogs and all that no i was thinking of the chinese burial and they're like look at oh, how they right. make up these dead people and i'm like yeah. 
Yo, that's what like, we do. What are you talking about? Like, <laughs> yeah. they're in like this strange practice, and it's like exactly what happens in any funeral home, in, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, whatever. Yeah. Uh, but in other words, um, I think this mashup of like brutal reality, we're going to show you something again. It's very exploitationy, right? Like, mm-hmm. yeah. let's get some boobs on screen, let's get some violence on screen, yeah. But then also like in many ways completely staged even if what they're describing is a real phenomena there's no reason for them to be filming it like the my favorite oh, I shouldn't say in the maybe. beginning with the Italian actor yes. yeah, where was, you see all the women rush in it's like clearly like, that's not real what are you doing and they've got all these weird close-ups of people even yeah. the even the the island where the women are chasing the men on the island oh yeah, oh, yeah. I could Completely. totally believe that somewhere somehow that happens but when you've got the feathers in the bush shooting up yeah. to let you know they're being like, like all of that is so staged and I guess what my first question was I want to know what you guys were thinking about this and Rob you probably know more than us did audiences know this was staged or was this presented like yeah. this is Can actual documentary some type of like historical context around when these movies were released so I'm sure some people who had like you know some background in anthropology or something may have known but a lot of people took that at face value just yeah. because like you're watching this and it's it is highly exploitative so you're like the crowd who that was directed toward like they're there to see the the boobs, the they're there to see the violence, but a lot of the people who may have seen it probably weren't aware, and I know a lot of them weren't. So yeah. a lot of people took that at face value, like the faces of death films. Mm-hmm. People actually thought like all of the murders that you see, all of the deaths that you see in there are, are real, real, but not all of them are. Yeah. It took me till years later to figure out how fake. When I saw Faces of Death as a kid, and that was right. not even when that was like. Like by the time I saw it, it was like well established on tape. I think yeah. there was like four out. Yeah. I don't think traces of death had started yet, <laughs> but faces. It was like really. It, it, it was already an, in their thing. It was always an established thing, and I, and even at that point, no part of me thought this is fake. And it's only now as an adult that I'm like, was it? Yeah, clearly yeah. it's fake. I mean, I I knew, and that was part of the appeal the with those. Right, like right, right. those, it's like, is it real? Is it not? So yeah. it's weird how similar. I mean, it's not weird because Faces of Death is clearly ripping off Mondo Kane, but well, and Faces of Death was a completely different era. That was like late seventies, right, early eighties right, right, right. for the first one. This was early sixties for Mondo Kane. It sure. came out in sixty two, yeah. so people wouldn't have had like a frame of reference, or at least most of them, because but, this was being presented as like a documentary, right? And so that's what I'm saying. Like in that, it uh, it very much reminds me of those old newsreels. Mm-hmm. Only that the I mean the newsreels were also staged, but they were staged in a way. I think that was meant to represent actual information. Yeah. You know, like these are actual airmen. It is funny that they're waving to you as they're getting in their plane because they wouldn't do that every time they go to bomb Germany. Right. right, They don't actually stop and go, okay, wave everyone. Okay. Now (laughs) let's go on our bombing trip. Like, so clearly it's staged in that sense, but that's real information, right? Like, like even if it's real in the sense of it's propaganda, it's it's meant to represent reality. But Mondo Kane to me feels like, I don't know. I I, I guess what it seems I'm, hokey by today's standards. Yeah, almost. and yeah. It, and it. But feel, the thing is, like the directors, like of most of the Mondo films. How many like, other gold, Mondo films are there? So, like the directors of this film, uh, Cavera, uh, Prosperi, and Jacopetti, they all three directed Mondo Cane Two or Mondo Pazzo, as it's also known. Um, and then they all individually or as a team. Um, I think it was Prosperi and Jacopetti who directed other films. They directed the notorious. Um, goodbye, Uncle Tom. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Did you see that? I have. And have you seen it? It is insane. It's is it? It's hard to get through because it's it's it's, so it's a it's so it's more of like a historical drama reenactment set in the antebellum antebellum South, where like 
the actors that they're what they're putting the what they put those actors through is I can't even imagine having to do that type of stuff. Wow. Yeah. So, and in its time, it was reviled. Like I know Roger Ebert hated that film. Yeah. Um, I think he called it like cruel exploitation to send it even like further down that path. But yeah. uh, the director's cut of that film is actually supposed to be um, in favor of uh, black liberation. Yeah, um, it references like Stokely Carmichael and Leroy Jones and a lot of figures. And that was from like, the 60s. yo, cut that shit <laughs> because that's not with that audience. Like they were, these films were made primarily for white audiences, or at, in the sixties and seventies, like it would have been white audiences going to see these movies. Yeah. Right, right. So right. whoever was distributing the film probably was like, yeah, white people don't want to be preached at when they're watching, you know, exploitation, especially the people going to see exploitation. Well, and I think to a certain extent, the folks, I got the feeling watching some of these Mondo films that um, the people watching them think they're being worldly even. Not not only yeah. that they don't realize they're, they're being just fooled. gaining knowledge. Yeah, like, like, oh, I'm learning about the practices of the people all around the world and not realizing, like, you're being fucking chuckstered. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, that they think, like, by watching this movie, they're saying, I mean, don't get me wrong, on another level, it's just pure. It's it. So the, what I was thinking of when I was watching it were all those, and I think this came later, were those... Uh, like sex documentaries that were just an excuse to kind of make pornography, you yeah. know? So it would be like a little bit of biological footage and then two people fucking and then <laughs> biological oh, footage. Yeah. And the idea is like, no, we're exploring the world of sex. There's a yeah. huge element of cultural tourism in the, in yeah. these films, in the Mondo films and even yeah, pseudo yeah, yeah, documentaries yeah. in general, you're looking into another world. And right. part of the appeal is that, Oh, I'm learning something about these people. Frequently it's, they're portrayed as backwards, so there's also an element of superiority. Yeah, right. So, like, the indigenous people like, that they're supposed to be showing, or the anti-Chinese sentiment, yeah, or, like, yep. anti-whatever. Generally, the only thing I can say maybe positive on that level is everyone who's portrayed in these films is always portrayed as negative. And mm. then eventually you get to something like um, The Killing of America, which is a Mondo film uh, written by Paul Schrader's brother. And it's about um, gun violence in America and how out of control it is. Right. And wow. that's probably, I would say, objectively the best Mondo film. But uh, most of them don't portray America in that light. Mm. Yeah, it's it was it was interesting watching it because um, the way that things were staged and then it was presented in some way as real. Though again, I feel like there's a tongue in cheekness that maybe someone making the movie might be thinking like people know this isn't real right but no i mean their claims at the time were like they were trying to present an authentic reality wow. dude <laughs> like when they're giving like the the christian hosts to the to the people with like the face paint the the indigenous people with like the bones in their noses and all that yeah. stuff and they're giving their cat they're catholicizing them i guess yeah <sighs> that scene is so insane I mean, I think holy the, the, shit, the whole thing is just kind of crazy. Yeah, but it was interesting to think about it in relation to the next two movies you had us watch. In the sense of like <laughs> that, people are watching this, thinking they're learning something. Yeah, and that, that no, starts I a totally... kind of entertainment that we are no. I, and so I with. picked Mondo Kane in As part the... because I don't think it gets acknowledged enough for setting up and creating a template for today's reality right. TV saturated world. Yeah, where you see a lot of this stuff still happening on TV. And it may not necessarily be um, overseas. Like we're not necessarily looking into China, and we're not watching them eating dogs, which mm. is like such a horrifying thing to think of that they would put that in the film to begin with. But now you see it like in this country where there's an element of cultural tourism, where it's like TLC. We're going to go into Appalachia, or we're going to go into Alaska, mm. or we're going to go into these you know backwoods areas and look at the way like these poor white people are living. Yeah, or like you know 
the <clears throat> shows about like people with dwarfism and stuff like this, like yeah. this weird cultural. Well, yeah, and I I do think anyone who studies reality TV would go back. I've read things where they go back to Faces of Death, and it was interesting to me watching Mondo Kane to be like, yeah, it's where man, they Faces of Death further. just ripped off the Mondo films, wow. really. Yeah. And, and but it, uh, I mean, in some ways, I would say Traces did as well because yeah. Traces had the uh, the uh, narrator. Yeah, the Faces of Death was kind of voiceless in some ways. It was sort of uh, they tried to add a shocking edge. What I think is funny about Traces of Death is they bring back the Mondo style narrator, only he's talking in a metal voice. <laughs> the, this this man thought he could go tight roping on a windy day. <laughs> like, oh shit, what really metal? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. but in a way, that narrator on Traces of Death is very similar to Mondo, to Mondo Kane. Kane. Yeah, 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 yeah. and. and those Warner Brothers cartoons. <laughs> True. So it goes back to that, like that news, because I think that's what. Yeah. I don't the think the I don't think those style. Warner cartoons are like. Yo, I just saw this titty violence movie. Yeah, called no, Mondo no, Kame. no. It Let's definitely leave. it definitely harkens to those like World War II propaganda films, right? right? right. Yeah, right. exactly. Like, you know. So and in an, some ways, like you can see this as propaganda because this was made for European and American audiences. Right. So they're saying, look at these, like, look at these cultures. You're better than these cultures. Look at the way yeah. they do things. The West is better. Well, I do think it's, and in that sense, it's a document that points to how colonialism, explorerism, that whole thing, mm. is not actually about appreciating the world. No, it's about it's creating the world in a way, creating what is the world in a way to help you feel good about yourself. Yeah, that weirdly exonerates you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. all of that mm. thing is like some. I'm sure the audience is watching it and are thinking like, Oh, oh they're I'm, so backwards. I'm know? learning yeah. about these backwards people. I'm so worldly. And meanwhile, you're actually the most sheltered at that moment. You yeah. could not be more. You, you were less. More fooled, you were less yeah. sheltered when you were in a in a small town and you didn't even know someone ate a dog once yeah, yeah that yeah, yeah. was less sheltered than watching someone do it and going i know about the world now i've learned <laughs> yeah i've learned I'm about smart i've yeah. learned about chinese people yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah 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 and i would i was saying like um <clears throat> there's a few cultures that are not portrayed in a favorable light in this movie but the actual vitriol towards the chinese folks was particularly like yeah why though yeah and it carries through and i think um lake right planet earth too like yeah. it, i don't know if it's i don't remember if, if it's in chariots of the gods um but i don't it remember definitely, so much in Chari- like, chariots of the gods it definitely is present in those two films um and i think it was just a result of that era china was starting to emerge as yeah. a power yeah for the yeah. first time and we were learning i mean that was i think in the era that we were slowly learning of dissension between them and russia so they were emerging as an economic power it was something that we were going to be having to deal with but no yeah. one was no one had any idea where it was going so Generally, we're going to portray any culture we're in competition with negatively. Yeah, I mean it's it it's in, it's intense in that movie. It was I was kind of surprised at how, especially and also how inconsistent for a movie trying to present itself as reality. They're like, well, we couldn't go into this space; they wouldn't let us film. And oh, then yeah, there's like bodies. five minutes of footage where you're like, yeah, you're like you guys got a lot shit. of footage for a place you're not allowed to film. Yeah. In. Well, and I think also that's part of the conceit of the film. Like the beginning of the film is saying the world is a harsh, cruel world and we're going to document it. So they're trying like all of the rhetoric, like all the way, like the style of speaking in the film is always going to be like um, hyperbole. It's going right, to be presenting right. things in like the darkest light possible, saying we had to fight against great odds to get this footage because this culture doesn't understand. So after um, after Mondo Kane, wh- of the movies we watched, what's the next one sort of historically? Um, historically, it is Chariot Chariots of the, of the Gods. And that one is based on a 
actually the next two are both based on books. Mm-hmm. Talk about this chair to the god things uh, because I you know I have a I have a soapbox to get on in relationship to this movie. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> I so, do, but I want to hear more about the history of it before I go crazy. So it was written it was a <laughs> book that came out in 1968, yeah, 1968 by Eric von Daniken. And he was a weird figure because he had been in and out of prison both before and during the writing of it for fraud. Wow. So he wasn't exactly on the up and up, and most of the ideas in the book were, I, I'm not, they were taken from other sources. So, for example, the idea of ancient aliens wasn't even something he came up with. It was mm. something that Carl Sagan and another writer came up with in the early 60s. But it's something that Sagan was like, this is something we may want to look into, but I don't believe it's probable because, you know, I can't prove this in any way. Whereas Daniken, uh, Von Daniken, uh, used the idea of ancient aliens, ancient astronauts, and put the idea out there and was like, hey, this is probably what happened. I mean, it's, it's for those of you who haven't seen it, um, Chariots of the Gods is, is done in such a way to be convincing. Where, yeah. where, here's the thing about, with Mondo Kane, right, mm-hmm. there's definitely an underlying worldview, but there's not a thesis. That's a different thing. Right. Yeah. Uh, Chariots of the Gods, it has some of the same sort of exoticism in being mm-hmm. like, there's this ancient thing and this, and look at this in the world, whatever. There's all that stuff, but it's all for a thesis. Every mm-hmm. rock, every statue, every goddamn hole in the ground yeah, is all like all part of this bent towards this thesis. thesis. Yeah, and what is that thesis? The thesis is that uh, all of these cultural artifacts are evidence of ancient aliens who came here. And then, of course, all of the descriptions of those aliens, by the way, are of uh, what, Fair-skinned. What, what we would call in the alien uh, research community, tall whites. Yeah. Tall whites. So there's, there, there are reasons for that, partially because um, Von Daniken, a lot of his ideas were based out of um, Christianity. And then yep. mm-hmm. on top of that, when he initially wrote the book, he submitted it to a number of diff- different publishers, and it was rejected in part because it's crazy and in part because he wasn't like a trained writer. So there was another writer who came on to help him, and his name was, let me see if I can find this, Wilhelm Utterman. And he had the distinction of being a former Nazi. He was actually a managing editor for the Volkish Observer, the uh, National Socialist Democratic Party. I forget what the exact how you phrase that. Uh, he was uh, a member of the party, and that was their newspaper. So after the end of World War II, he would just pick up spare writing gigs, one of which was this. And he wrote it under a pseudonym. Uh, I don't know if it was because he was a Nazi or if mm. it was because he didn't want to be associated with it. But um, there has been talk over the years that maybe he influenced also some of that like tall white type of thing. A lot of apparently every Asian culture, yeah, every brown person culture was visited by tall whites who gave them science and knowledge, and it's all in the Bible. (laughs) Oh yeah, in the Bible. Well, so uh, dude, let's do a little bit. We we actually didn't say much personally about this because I think the information involved with these movies is very interesting. We should also talk about our experience. Josh, let's back up a little bit. What was your experience watching Mondo Kane? Uh, my experience watching Mondo Kani, again, was like hearkening to those weird Warner Brothers cartoons. So I was like, oh, this is like that, but like actual film, not a drawing. Was it and amusing for you, though, or were you just like annoyed? I was horrified. Yeah. I was horrified the entire time. And actually, you know? that was, in some sense, it accomplished what it set out to do because it was trying to horrify right. people. Right, and it worked. I but mean, probably for the wrong reasons. Different reasons than probably why the original people were horrified. Right. 
But, I mean, you're starting off with the thing about Rudolph Valentino, so it's like this weird sense of like, oh, okay, everything's going to... Oh, my God! And then, like, the next <laughs> thing you know, it's like, racist, racist, racist! Like, and with this movie... And animal violence. Racism and animal violence. Oh, my God. It's yeah. intense. And with this movie, I just... With uh, Chariot of the Gods, it definitely just felt like... Oh, man. It's so condescending in yeah. its in its approach to, to t- teaching, supposedly, yeah. things. And it's so just like, oh, my God. I can... I couldn't even wrap my head around the fact that I've seen it before in school. Wait, they showed that to you in school? I am old enough to have... I turn 40 next month. Okay. I have, you watch it in school? Though? I remember Under what context? Uh, under like a... In a classroom situation where a teacher was like, all right, we're just going to watch Chariot of the Gods tonight. And like... <laughs> or today. And we... Because I'd seen it before. That is the most wacko fucking thing. Yo, but that that's you should, you you should replace school? every story about your childhood with that story yeah. because it's I insane. just remember seeing it, and uh, I, I think it was like in seventh grade or something at Carusi Middle Junior High School, and uh, one of my teachers was like, okay, we're going to watch this movie, The Chariot of the Gods. These are all theories. Did you uh, go to a religious school? No. That's even school. weirder because that's the only other community I could see actually embracing that. Yeah. Well, you know. The, so, but it was just like wow. one of those things where it's like I saw it and I remember it like shot me back to this one moment where I'm watching it in class and being like, what the fuck is this shit? And then like now being like, yo, what the fuck is this shit? Like, I don't believe like there was a double incredulity, right? There's sure. the first one of being like, yo, I saw this before. And then the second one of being like, yo, I saw this before. Like, and it was like really fucking weird. But um, yeah, I, I was I, I also remember like Thor Heyerdahl is like part of one of the researchers that they cite in that yeah, movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I remember thinking like, oh, wow, Thor Heyerdahl, this must have some type of legitimacy to it. And it's just like, uh, no. And that's so that's one of the tactics movies like this use. And you'll see it again in the late great planet Earth is that um, it's not just the writing of Von, Von Daniken. They pull in other legitimate researchers right, right, to right. support their claims or to like dress up what the ideas that they're presenting to you. Yeah. And it's something that you see. To this day, especially today, because people will bring in supposed experts or legitimate people who have knowledge Scientists. in the field. Yeah, 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 yeah. But in this movie, and and this is where I thought it was ridiculous. Right. They would show you a picture or even video, or I say video, but it's you know footage right. of one of these people, and then they would say what he would tell you is like almost very rarely do you actually hear them say anything. Yeah. Right. They just sort of paraphrase what they might tell you. And it also always looks like it's taken from something else and it's right. a different language. So you never know if yeah. that's what they're actually even saying. So I actually, as much as I agree that it's horrifying, Mondo Kane to me is still amusing. There's a skill to how it's made. But there's also a and levity the, and to the, Mondo Kane that yeah. these other movies lack. And the racism is so ridiculous that the only parts of Mondo Kane that I actually find really difficult is the, the violence. Is the is the violence against right. animals, and especially because it's often filmed, I feel like, in a way that wants you to be grossed out. Like it's yeah. it's not like, hey, they're gonna eat this animal now. We know it's kind of a bummer, but it's not that big a deal. It's like, look at it, it's so bad. It's so bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that 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 kind of gets to me. Again, probably only because of how much it is. If it was a couple scenes, it'd be one thing, but it just keeps happening. And then the the racism in the movie is like so retro that it's like it's not funny, but I don't care. Yeah, yeah. With Chariots of the Gods, see, it's uh, the funny thing about the racism that is it is retro, so it almost feels normal to me. Right. <laughs> it almost feels like yo, that's what I grew up with. You know what I mean? Just yeah. Like, it's what people used to think. Yeah. And only now are you like, oh no, that's fucked like, up. Oh no, yeah. you guys are wrong to ask the Jewish so, kids in class if they have horns. Like that seems, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I grew up in Cherry Hill, New Jersey. I didn't know that was a thing. It happened. I've seen it happen a couple times. Like yo, I heard Jewish people horns and it's just like 
Yo, I, what are they I heard about me? I heard it was like, but it's Jesus. like we're in suburban New Jersey, right? Yeah. So you don't think that this is the kind of thing that you could you'd be reminded of. So with thinking about Chariots of the Gods, um, there's a few things going on for me. One is the way that style, which is actually a different style than than Mondo Kane in some ways, right? Yeah. It's like continually, no like continually well, I mean, moving forward. No, nar- ever present, ever present narrator, but not in the same way that there's that the narrator in Mondo Kane. Well, he's not there for jokes. He's like making a case, and yeah. the whole movie builds upon this case, and it's um, it's something that uh, it gets very rhythmic. It, it mm. starts to actually sort of soothe me a little bit. It's just like a series of vignettes, but like they build up. To yeah, something. yeah, 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 yeah. Did you but, also notice that there's a pervasive soundtrack? Yeah. Yeah, 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 the sound, the music in there is actually amazing. Yeah, yeah, it's in really good. But the, the thing, so, but here's the thing with me with Chairs of the Gods is that so many of the points that are made, it, it starts to get funny because it, they're so stupid. Yeah, like a couple of them, you're like, okay, I guess if someone is watching this, they might be compelled. But so many of them are like so obviously dumb or wrong yeah. that after a while it starts to become funny because I'm like, okay, who is convinced by that? Yeah. Okay, who is convinced of that? Like the guy but, poking the the edges between the stones with like a pen. It's like, and he can't even get his pen between these rocks. Oh, yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah. Holy They're like, Moses, this, this hole is a circle, which is impossible. Yeah. And it's a circle. And a lot or of the like, stuff in there is easily disproved. Like after it came out, people like Carl Sagan came out and like, hey, this is stupid. Yeah. And like a lot of the stuff, if you didn't have common knowledge, for example, and they're like, here's this pyramid. It couldn't have been built in 20 years. It's like, no, actually like archeologists and anthropologists, they know this was done. We know the, we know the construction techniques. We know the tools that they use. Well, and mm. after a while it does start to get, I mean like the pictures of the warriors and they're like, clearly this is a space suit. There's the helmet. <laughs> this yeah. is an ancient uh, claw. And you know, like the, those sorts of things. But I, 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 all of that is actually amusing in its own way. What started to get under my skin is that um, if how much of this movie is just the early ideas that became the show Ancient Aliens. Oh, no, and totally. And Ancient Aliens, all they do is update these things. But Ancient Aliens is hugely popular. And Von Daniken's been on the show. And they never like, talk about on Ancient Aliens what is so clear to me in this movie, and they just sort of... Sh- they sort of round down the edges of it, but that the basic thesis of this is in itself uh, racist, or you could say white people are aliens. Yeah. yeah. Well, I would say it's either racist or Western focused, or even you could say maybe it's an age thing. But the point is, is that ancient brown people couldn't possibly have done anything on their own. Right. Right. right I mean, right. everything that they do, it's like like even they get to the point where there's like the symbols on the hill. It's yeah. like, yo, man. You don't even need science to do that. Like you just scratch <laughs> up the hill, and now there's a big thing. Like we could go do this now if we wanted to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's like every little thing that's interesting about people who aren't European is is because of aliens. Everything, and they, and it gets expansive in how it is. And what's crazy to me about Ancient Aliens, the show, is that even with all their updates of science and they sort of whatever, they still are telling Have a lot of ancient aliens, the show. Oh yeah. Yeah. I've never seen it. Oh, I've definitely, I, I, haven't, <laughs> I haven't watched it as much as some other people, but a lot of people I know love it. And every mm-hmm. time they're like, well, there's this one thing on there that I thought was convincing and they describe it to me. And every time I'm like, no, that doesn't prove, not only does that not prove anything, the central thesis you're pushing at me right now is so offensive that I'm like really bummed out that you like are into this. And, and so like it, it's the pervasiveness of the show kind of bums me out. And the, but the thing about it, I think is so amazing is that a, 
while they update some of the science and some of the quote unquote facts that a lot of the stories in ancient aliens are the same from this movie yeah and b that the style is almost the narrator from chairs of the gods sounds like the ancient aliens narrator yeah. and the ancient aliens are in this place and whatever and it's like dun, 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 dun. and all they've added stylistically is like fast close-ups or like they do the speed up thing where they've added like, like modern production techniques. Yeah, exactly. They just and, add that modern, but it's shame. like often the same thing. Like, okay, well this is the same shot. They used the chairs of the gods. Only you used the drone. So it looks a little different, but well, it's the same the thing. thing. So like, I like those ideas have persisted for a number of reasons. So like you have the show ancient aliens, but how do you guys feel about Ridley Scott? Uh, uh, it's okay. So Prometheus, the movie Prometheus. Sure, 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 sure. Um, a lot of the ideas for like the writing of that came from ancient aliens for Prometheus from Prometheus yep. for the movie. So Prometheus. is Ridley Scott that dude? He's not that dude. It's just, he was influenced by that. And so like, there are all kinds of people who have been influenced by these ideas. And over time, these have ideas become, become things. normal for a lot of people. Oh. I mean, I, I will say like, I think that, um, that original idea that aliens came to this planet in and of itself, it doesn't seem wacky. It's not that bad it's that when this movie and then other things try to make the case they uh, oftentimes do point to this idea of like well look at this temple clearly aliens did it and every time it just really bums me out but like just the idea of like uh you know i know other people think this like when you read something like the bible and um it describes i mean obviously everyone always goes to ezekiel with the with the um with the wheel yeah with the wheel I, that's that in and of itself is not offensive to me because you can make that case. Oh, what they're describing is a spaceship. That doesn't assume that they're stupid, actually. Yeah. But a lot of the other once they go from there, they start to assume because ancient people are stupid and yeah. not having all the information that we have because of technology doesn't make you stupid. Like you're doing the best you can with what's available to you. Like you know, we just started walking upright a few thousand years ago. Yeah. <laughs> We've only just figured out things like fire and baking and wheels and stuff. And it's not and like s- those other cultures didn't develop ideas. Like a, modern right. mathematics comes from the Middle East. That's what I'm mm-hmm. saying. Like a lot of these folks, what, what they did was amazing. Like uh, for example, I mean, this isn't, brown people but it's another example of ancient people there are these mounds in ireland that mm-hmm. like have these like interesting doorways and no one can ever figure out why they were built with these per- particular stones or these doorways and it took hundreds of years till someone said oh at the time this was built when you had the spring equinox the sun would shine in that hole over the doorway and all these stones would light up and they were able to show with a light that that's what would happen mm. and all these people are going, well, how the fuck did they know when that, how did they know to do that that way, put mm. it at that angle that it would hit at the right time? Well, because they're smarter than you, because you have needed a fucking calculator, <laughs> and they figured it out with a bunch of fucking rocks. Yeah, and sticks, maybe. You know, like, so yeah. I, I guess the problem is we just can't accept that people in the past had knowledge prior to, that was based in they the were, deeper things That they did things, too, that were smarter in some ways, but they didn't yeah. have all the information we have. Because what we don't want to accept is, you know, 500 years from now, they're going to be just as smart as us, but have more information. Yeah. And they'll figure something out that we were really dumb about. Yeah. My guess is fossil fuels, but whatever. Whatever. Combustion (laughs) engines, but whatever. If humans are still on the planet in five years. I mean, we'll be dead. I know. Us not to worry about. If the human race survives. So um, I know that with these pseudo documentaries, you sort of were learning about these in connection to um, the satanic panic phenomena. Yeah. I, I... Talk about the ways that you see 
both of these two. I mean, I think our third movie is, is very obviously related, more but I think these two are related, but maybe in less obvious ways. How do you relate them to that time? So I think it's kind of hard to relate Mondo Kane, um, although a lot of the um, Christian pseudo documentaries, Christian yeah. scare documentaries from yeah. the 80s definitely brought in that element of like, here's this thing that happens. Look at this weird thing like look at these mm. weird people and it was more like said in the united states like look at heavy metal fans mm. here's this subculture of morons or backwards godless heathens people. godless yeah. heathens perfect um it's a little more explicit in chariots of the gods where it's yeah. like drawing connections and um it does something that you see a lot in chariots of the gods where it'll say it'll make a claim but it'll never outright say that that's actually how it happened it's just saying here's this thing we're not going to provide any evidence but it, it's a possibility. And here's the You the know result. what we mean. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Like, it, it never makes a direct claim. Uh, it does occasion in multiple places, but like frequently um, in Chariots of the Gods, you'll see the narrator or reading in the book, you'll read that um, you'll read that initial claim and then it'll just be like, here's a, here's a cool thing that could have happened. Here's a, here's a yeah, possibility. Yeah, yeah totally. Yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. I think also they both, I think stylistically they have their impact, but I also think in the idea that by showing you this, we've made a point and you can believe it. Yeah. yeah. And you still see that. It's like a weird, unearned gravity. Well, you see that even now post Satanic. I mean, just look at what is well, now the History Channel or the Discovery Channel or any of these oh, places. Totally. They haven't actually proven anything, but all they do is show you a few visuals and make a very weak case. And people go, oh, yep, no, that's right. You know, like, yeah. I think that uh, the that what starts with Mano Kane is still influential in that way. Yeah. yeah. Well, I and one agree. of the reasons why picked these films and I did like an evolution because you can slowly see how things are changing or at least mm-hmm. I think it works like that in my own mind. No, it definitely is. You can see, true. You can see an evolution yeah. of form um, uh, moving forward so you see kind of the development of this style and how it gets taken out of this a-religious, almost apolitical or what are perceived to be a-religious and apolitical with Mondo Kane mm-hmm. and then it slowly you get that. Turns um, into that. It gets turned into that through yeah. um, Chariots of the Gods and then in and to the Lake Great Planet movie, Earth. The Late Great Planet Earth. Can we talk a little bit about that? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I think it's my favorite Holy of three because it is so insane. Oh, and I so know why you guys hate it. it but yeah, it was rough, man. Yeah. It's like Dude. it's a slog. It's it's not <laughs> on so many levels it was so rough. Oh like, no, yeah, there's totally like hardcore xenophobia. Orson Welles for this. This <laughs> perpetually winking sarcastic man. You know what I mean? Like because they it, and it adds a an air of gravity. You know that voice, oh that silky God. voice of Wells. And he, what's funny is he had done his own version of this with F for Fake, where he's playing with the idea of yeah. like re- yeah. reality and fiction. Right. But F for Fake is very much like it's not making fun of these films because he's playing with the art form of the documentary. Mm. But he's already made this film and a better version of it. And it's like, why is he even here? Well, well but I I I I think. So the the thing that <coughs> bums me out about Lake Great Planet Earth is one, it's not entertaining, and so like the thing about Monokani is it's offensive, but stylistically it's kind of entertaining. Um, Chariots of the Gods is way less entertaining, but it has yes. some momentum. Um, Lake Great Planet Earth keeps stopping for what are the worst reenactments oh my of God. biblical shit yeah, dude, ever. It's so brutal. So bad. The and first then, one with, um, with Jesus or whatever? Yeah. That was, oh, a, I oh. thought that was amazing. Oh. Dude, it's so... No, the first, the first one is when they're chasing this prophet up a mountain. Oh, yeah. yeah. It begins like... Um, off the edge, yeah. It begins like 2001. 
Oh, God. Oh, it oh. does, doesn't it? <laughs> I, and then Orson Welles in it is just like... He comes uh, in out of nowhere. Yeah, he's Every like, time he's on there, everything he says is terrible. He's like the diarrhea like, oh. icing on a shit cake. Oh. <laughs> it's so fucked but up. I think that the things that get under my nerves a little bit, like, it's interesting because a friend of the show, Andrew uh, Bargeron, mm-hmm. has talked on Twitter to us before, and we've mentioned it on our business. He's bummed out by the 70s in general, especially like 70s uh, exploitation and horror movies because there's mm-hmm. this like grittiness to it but for him it's the urban aspect that really bums him out and whatever what's interesting about lake Ray planet earth is it's that aspect of the 70s that's the international struggle like mm-hmm. yeah. i get bummed up by the 70s not by gritty new york and how that was drug infested and terrible like no, it's the perception of like other countries yeah it's like the fact that like literally in the 70s it was like you know what things are hard like let's just go murder a bunch of bourgeois people. <laughs> and like that just happened. Like there were all these terrorist groups like, mm-hmm. and not like that. Yes, there were, you know what we're concerned about now, which is like um, Muslim or Arabic terrorist groups. And that was a mm-hmm. big thing, but there were plenty of bored Europeans who were just like, I don't know. Germany. Let's just shoot a bunch of people and see if communism starts. Like, <laughs> I mean, it happened in the United States in the 60s and 70s. The Weather yeah. Underground, the uh, yeah, 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 yeah. ALF groups and, like But that. even then, like when they start talking about all the stuff in the movie about Israel, I just oh. want to fucking kill myself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. and, and so me, this was actually the be- this was towards this was actually kind of the beginning of the Christian rights embrace of yes. Israel because Hal Lindsey, the writer of the Lake Great Planet Earth, the book that he wrote, like the Lake Great Planet Earth, was the it popularized um, like this idea of. Um, pre-millennialism where it's right. like there's going to be a return of Jesus and the uh, is Israel these these are the chosen people yeah he was, a, he, was a, he was a dispensationalist yes which when I first started going to church dispensationalism was presented to me as like just a normal idea that everybody was into and it wasn't until college that it, it was like no Wait, that's man, crazy that's shit up. yeah that was invented very recently yeah and, and like, this was like he was he wasn't the first one to write about that subject and he wasn't the first person to like be published on that subject but he was the one who popularized this and Mm. kicked off the trend in the 70s and 80s of this style well and i think i mean i don't want to be uh too much on you know how like i don't want to be too much like lifting up how Lindsay is like the this important figure but i do think oh no tear him down please no 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 like i i do want to lift him up as an important figure i'm using scare quotes that you can't see on a podcast in the sense that (laughs) perfect for radio in the sense that i do think there were other factors, but he is definitely a main source for the um, pro-Israel, anti-Semitic version of Christianity right. that's so concerned. I mean, granted, yes, there were there was conflict in the Middle East, whatever, but he really pushed this thing so much, and he still does, so much so, he recently was so anti-Muslim, he got kicked off of uh, uh, whatever, CBC, the Christian Broadcast yeah. Channel. He was too anti-Muslim wow. for those fucking wackadoos. Yeah. And so they kicked is, him off for like a month in December, and they yeah. tried to play it up as like, hey, you're being preempted for uh, Christmas, and then it turned into, no, you're just a Islamophobe. I mean, that's the thing, Like, but this has been his fucking hard on since this, this book. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah, I yeah. think that's his, like, this is, Again, not the sole source, but one of the major sources that I think contributed to like wars and terrorism and shit. Like oh, no, this completely. motherfucker. And so I think that was the, so. Okay, the reasons this bummed me out is like one, it is the worst case scenario for these pseudo documentaries in that there's no evidence of any kind. It's, and it's all just a terrible, of and yet people believed it. Like yeah. people watched this thing and were like convinced. Like yeah, that's the gospel right there. Mm. So that bums me out. Two. The same team thing, you know what I mean? Like yeah. a bad, a bad psych rock band 
doesn't bum me out the way that a bad hardcore band does because right. I because <laughs> I like hardcore and you're doing it wrong. Right. So like for me, stuff that is racist and awful and stupid and also related to Christianity bums me out even more because, because it's like oh and too. but also the influence level of this thing really bums me because I'm watching it going, fuck, we're still making foreign policy decisions that are influenced by this guy's wackadoo theology. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it and it bums me out that we still pretend that theology doesn't inform us because like, oh, we're so beyond that. And it, it does. Like there are there are straight up yeah. new atheists whose ideas come from Hal Lindsey. I'm right. not oh, even kidding. No, like one hundred percent. Yeah. And yeah, they, yeah. they would hate hearing that, but that's true. Um, so all of that was bumming me out. But Horseshoe the thing, theory. Oh, yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> but the thing that bums me out the most about this thing, like the absolute most about this thing, is um, um, I'm trying to just think of how to describe it, but uh, it felt like homework. <laughs> See, for me, I watched it for fun. Yeah, no. Right. Rob gave us homework on this, uh, this no, episode. A little I don't, bit. No, let, yeah. me, let me clarify. It felt like homework um, in the sense, I don't know how to it's tell tedious, you. It's tedious, man. It's, it's, not just that, it's not just that it's not entertaining. It's that, um, that it was a problem I had to figure out. Because this fucking thing is still, like, yes, we can look at Mondo Kane. Yes, we can look at uh, Chariot of the Gods, especially because of the influence of ancient aliens. But this fucking thing is so much like stuff that still shapes our culture. And someone is making a modern version of this thing right, right now, now yeah. somewhere. Dinesh that, that, Sousa. Yeah, di- exactly. exactly. This yeah, is yeah, so yeah, much yeah. like, this is just the 70s version of anything Dinesh D'Souza has done. Yeah. And it, that part of it where it is so much like those things that make me so sad, make me so depressed about human nature, yeah. it just made this, I couldn't get to the point where I was detached enough to have fun. Because I feel like if I could, this would have been my favorite because it's so bad yeah. but i was too wrapped up in it to have fun i was so just like one of the other this. things i love about this movie is that it pulls in all of these other wacky and sometimes legitimate ideas from other people had sure that were not in the book so like right. the stuff about jupiter aligning and all that that came from another book in the early 70s by an astrophysicist yep and the book was the jupiter effect and everyone like no one believed it and it turned out to be false and the guy was like yeah i kind of regret coming up with that but then it also pulled in uh, my favorite quote in the movie is when it goes into like the very early beginnings of anti of, of Christian anti-statism. Right. Where it's uh, they're quoting Robert uh, Nisbet, um, a sociologist who talks about Americanism turning into fascism, which in some ways he was right, even though he was a conservative writer. But they pulled in like this legitimate figure in political like life at that time and added it into this movie where it had none of the stuff had any relation to the book. And it all culminated in like this weird, um, my favorite digression in the movie is when you get to this part where they start talking about how we have to save the planet Earth and you get this weird Christian environmentalism. Right, yeah. And it's not something you would typically expect. Um, I, I know there's like a green Christianity movement, but it's not really, I don't know if it's ever taken big hold. You would know about this more than I would. No, I think that what that sort of thing that's in this movie eventually gets replaced by the idea that environmentalism is just a different form of communism. Yeah, like prosperity theology comes in. Right. And kind so of that part part of the part out. of the issue here is that in order to combat communism, Christianity is really sort of brought on board, and theology is brought on board, and especially evangelicalism. And one of the main concerns with communism is the concern with private property, which, by the way, is more of an issue with anarchism, like like. Anarchy really, at its basis, 
Texas isn't even about the state. It's about it's the about idea of private private property yeah, that ownership. you have this ownership. Kind of communism is also concerned with that, but communism is more is more about the idea is less about the idea that you would own something personally per se, but that your ownership would mean that um, you control the labor of others or, you know what I mean? So it's a little more complicated than that. But because of that basis around property, I think there's a ramping up in the later part of the cold war of this idea of property within Christianity that like part of God's sovereignty over humans is this property thing because at its base, real environmentalism is related to the question of private property because the idea yeah. is like if you own this land does that mean you can destroy the land when your destruction of the land fucks all of us we're all if you own a big piece of property and you pollute the shit out of it we're all fucked and so an underlying thing with environmentalism has to be a critique of private property and thus capitalism right and i think that so like i think at first in the 70s you can actually find some of these evangelicals who are really jazzed on the sovereignty of god and the importance of god over everything else who start to go into environmental ideas because they want to say well this is god's world and you have to respect it but that eventually gets usurped by the idea of look god wouldn't let us destroy ourselves god already said if the world's going to be destroyed it's going to be in these very specific ways because apparently the book of revelation is Mm. an instruction manual (laughs) and not a fucking crazy fever dream right so whatever so that that very quickly in the 80s that uh, christian environmental movement gets fucking squashed and very specifically by this new religious right and that's so like one of the other things i like about this movie is that it shows that um political movements aren't these like crystallized things that we think of them. So like with environmentalism, even beyond Christianity, some of the earliest defenders of environment of the environment, early Sierra club members were Republicans. Oh yeah. And it turns like, so in like the sixties and seventies, especially like all of this stuff starts changing and what we know of as like politics today is not what it once was. And it's not what it has to be. Yeah. Yeah. So like movies, like a movie like this is awful as it is. Like you can see kind of like these slivers of hope in there. These weird turning points. Yeah. These weird turning points where it's like things aren't the way that they, things aren't the way that they are. And they aren't the way that we believe them to be. Mm. I I could see that, but I just couldn't. Oh no, I'm not trying to make this movie. No, no, no. I was going to say, I I just can't see past that weird marriage that Christianity does. That kind of starts in this thing Mm. of Zionism but still keeping your anti-Semitism. Oh, because no, it's completely. definitely replacement theology. It's definitely, well, we're the people now and the Jews are kind of outski, yeah. but they need their country. Like, you we know, have to yeah. protect them. They can't protect themselves. Yes. Oh, God. Oh, oh, man. Oh. This weird Messiah thing. So, yeah. so okay. So, um, and this actually connects into like the satanic panic stuff more directly because this started right. acting as a template for those. Um, specifically, there was, there's a production company that exists to this day and have had a huge influence on American politics, uh, Jeremiah Films. Wow. Um, in 1982, they released a movie called The Godmakers, which right. yeah, I'm yeah. sure you guys may have heard of, anti-Mormon uh, uh, yeah. propaganda film. And that toured for a number of years, and they, in that time, continued producing other documentaries. Um, their most famous one is probably in the early 90s, Pagan Invasion, Trick or Treat. <laughs> which is not seen this. Oh, you need to watch it. It is probably one of my favorite things ever committed to film uh, or video. I don't know what it was shot on, um, but it's um, a Christian interpretation of why Halloween is evil. Yeah. So You've seen um, this, Liam? Uh, I've heard about it. Clips. I don't think I've seen this one. Uh, there's I've... one clip with an ex-Satanist who describes like the pagan practice of Halloween and how it's basically just children being horribly abused in a dungeon somewhere. Wow. So like 
that's it slowly starts building up until the um, founder of this production company um, his name let me see if I can find it Patrick Mastriana he directed the Clinton Chronicles in 94 right which was huge because like the Drudge Report uh, Jerry mm. Falwell all of these people latched onto that because it popularized the idea of the Clinton kill list specifically tying in the suicide of Vince Foster right wow. and that's something that we see to this day with um, Seth Rich Pizzagate yep. Yep. all of these different wacky fucking conspiracies of yeah. these people that they've had this disproportionately large influence over our culture by making like they started off from these like innocuous places where it's like you're not expecting a movie like the Godmakers to have a wide influence out of Christian circles mm. but slowly these people keep gaining power and, and gaining control over proliferating culture. throughout other things that dictate culture right and the and way that we see for example um, dot like a lot of the documentary fake documentaries that come out today from Dinesh D'Souza right and um, oh what's the fucking Republican guy he always gets uh, Infowars dude well, Alex Jones, definitely. There's yeah. one he does, like, ambush-style journalism. Oh, I don't remember that guy's name. Yeah, so, like, people like that have taken directly from this, and that's how that they exist today. I mean, I will say that, that in defense of late great planet Earth, as crazy as it is, it's at least building off of things that exist in the world. But it's funny to think of that as the next step to Satanic Panic, which managed to create an entire realm of ideas in which there was no basis in reality. Yeah, it's all weird conjecture. So, like, that's this like is actually flawed. kind of a good segue into like conspiracy theories and how yeah. those things work. Um, one of the so like people need to exist, obviously, for those ideas to exist. But once pe- once you have the people, it's not that hard to get people like to get them to believe because people are looking for ideas that both confirm their existing worldview and that give order to like reality for them. Right. So right. something like um, even something imagine like the satanic panic, a lot of it was rooted in real things. Child abuse was we were learning more about that mm. as a culture. Like it wasn't something we talked about in the 50s or 60s or even 70s. But then slowly but then with things 80s, like yeah, things psychoanalysis yeah. and um, psychiatry. Well, it's important to remember that the stranger danger thing was actually more in the 70s, but that that stranger danger led into. Um, the cult deprogramming movement of the later 70s. And then Satanic Panic really just became the next step. We sort of got to a point where, despite Jonestown and some of the other crazy shit, Mm. cult deprogramming became less popular, partly because it didn't work. Or Or because eventually the site that is so short-sighted comes to an end. Right. And this new strain of this is weirdly self-perpetuating, wouldn't you say? Like, Well, so one of the things that also helped kick off, there was that in culture, but um, the growth of like psychiatry as a field. Oh, yeah, totally. So in 1980, yeah. the um, fake memoir, so I guess there's also like pseudo-memoirs right. tying into this. Uh, Michelle Remembers from Michelle Smith. Yep. She described um, her satanic ritual abuse at the hands of her parents, and which this was, most of it was fabricated. Oh, and this was through the memory, what is it, the memory uh, recovery like, yeah, theory? Yeah, it was through or? memory recovery. Um, the psychiatry, a psychiatrist, psychologist, I forget what his actual title was, was also her husband, eventually. Uh-huh. So this memoir actually kicked that off in the 80s. And um, wow. the was idea it, of Wasn't like, there another dude, like a Christian dude, who claimed that he was brought up in a Satan cult, and then it came out later that he like faked the whole thing? I'm sure there name. were a few. I mean, there were a number of like major figures in this. Um, mm. Actually, the article I did for Atlas Obscura oh, yeah, mentioned yeah, totally, one, totally. Um, the Peters family yeah. out of Minnesota. Mm-hmm. But another big one was Bob Larson, who... Mm-hmm made probably a dozen of these documentaries he toured with slayer which it's not the first thing you would think of for like a christian televangelist to be doing 
but a lot of these people were just self-promoters and they would find ways to ingratiate their platforms. Yeah. And they would find ways to build these ideas out of real world things. They would find a way to, so like with conspiracy theories, people are looking for like order in the world. They don't want to believe the world is arbitrary. They want to have a sense that everything is meaningful, Mm. but they need something to confirm that belief. So people like Bob Larson or Michelle Smith Mm. would take real instances of child abuse or things happening in the world, like on the geopolitical level, and tie it into this for their wild ideas. And, and people, we see that today. People still. eat it up. More yeah. than people ever. Eat it there up. was a. There, I was. Just, I was listening to something on Satanic Panic, and they were saying like, "There's a point in 1994 where 26 percent of public prosecutors had said they had tried some case related to uh, ritual satanic abuse." Yeah, there were police like, departments that had actual like satanic. De- like a satanic wing of the department investigating Yo, cases. South Africa still has a national occult yes. crimes board. The BPRD. I wish I could get hired on that, but I mean, the reality is, <laughs> what are they investigating? There really aren't cults in South Africa to be investigating. Oh, man. There are but, a lot of problems in South Africa, though. Yeah, that's true. They're probably blaming them all on cults. And Anyways, I think there's a lot we could talk about. I know we have a bit of a time crunch so we should wrap up soon but i think it's interesting how um we still see all this you today. made this connection yeah and that yeah. that the 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 storytelling regardless of what's going on with mondo kane that that same style that same thing is now translating all the way to the clinton files that the clinton files are basically weird the same phantoms, yeah. here's a few dots and i'm gonna draw i mean i will say that the there's not a big difference between the Clinton files and say like loose change, right? Like, right, right. You know that these things were all kind of connected to each other, but it's it is difficult for me because like I like some conspiracy theories. Like, oh I, no, I, I'm a I, fan I, of them. That's why I write about them. Yeah, yeah. But I, the, some of them I want to be. I like so like you know the 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 uh, crack in the urban environment. So okay, here's I'm another distinction. I'm 100 percent on board. Here's another distinction to make. Another reason why. Um, conspiracy theories actually persist is because there are legitimate conspiracies that have taken right, place in exactly. our government. Um, COINTELPRO, Operation Paperclip, um, the Tuskegee syphilis experiment, right, right. Um, Iran-Contra, where our government, like the CIA, literally approved throwing priests out of helicopters. Like These are things that happened in the real yeah. world, and they provide a foundation and a backdrop for all of these other crazier things, because when you find out this information, it you can't make up a conspiracy more wild than something like Iran-Contra, where we were funding death squads in yeah. Latin America. I mean, I think that's part of my issue is that I also just will be more inclined to be sympathetic towards uh, conspiracy theories that have my political bent. And I, I understand <laughs> that. And I understand I'm limited in that. But the reality is that the people in power who could make conspiracies tended to be of a certain political ideal. So a lot of the things that have turned out to be true, Iran-Contra being one or the Tuskegee syphilis experiment, those work with my worldview. So it's easy for me to be more sympathetic to things that also work with my worldview. But I think what, what I'm able to do that maybe other folks aren't is to put that theory in a category that says... This is not a proven fact. Yeah. When you're bringing a motherfucking assault rifle to a pizza place because yeah, you think there's child think slaves there, right. you clearly aren't someone who's just going, hey, you know, there's some weird... I mean, <laughs> everyone I know says, you know, 9-11, there's some things that don't add up. Yeah. That's not the same as saying, and that's why I'm taking this gun to the bush home and murdering some bushes because yeah. I know that they did 9-11. That's a totally different thing. And that's what I think is so interesting is that like... Most of the people who have some theory that to me, I mean, personally, I think 
almost all the 9-11 theories are like pretty bad or stupid <laughs> or whatever. But, uh, but, but no, it doesn't seem like many people who have those crazy ideas are getting fucking loaded up to go shoot somebody. But with this Pizzagate thing or with the Clinton files, some big things have happened because people were convinced by those in a way that it seems like people weren't convinced by some of these more left-leaning bad documentaries. But so in yeah. a way that's uh, that is true. But a lot of like the counterculture that formed in sure. the '60s, um, a lot of the identity movements that rose up, the Black Power movement, the Chicano yep. Power movement, yep. rose up after re- like revelations of legitimate government, like mm-hmm. horrifying things that we have yeah. done. But I like those things, and I want no, them I to do. continue. And <laughs> so, like it, like those conspiracies, like. It's hard to call them conspiracies because when we, when we think of conspiracies, we think of wacky ideas like David yeah, Icke right, and his lizard right, people. Right, 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 right. Um, so like these things that have happened and motivated people on the left, like they have, I don't want to say motivated violence because I don't think violence is the appropriate word. Sure. But they've like pushed people to protest and do things and try and on a much larger scale than maybe these wacky right wing conspiracies. Right. Uh, and maybe it's because we agree with these things. Um trying to think of like corollary on the right where they weren't wrong maybe ruby ridge because they were awarded money but even that didn't really lead to anything other than um what's the clive and bundy i mean that's horrifying i mean don't don't get me wrong there's a there's a lot of things from back in the day related to like the kennedys right yeah Yeah. that like yeah the kennedys seem to have had a lot of skeletons in the closet a lot of weird shit but especially but that's not at the it's for me with even with the clintons I'm left enough that I don't trust the Clintons for anything. Yeah. But what, what bums me out about the Clinton files is it the scope of it is so fu- like first of all like um, it, it, the 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 bias and the scope is what always a that all these things prove a liberal thing you know whatever right. and b that like a couple of these weird instances get blown up into large whereas like if you want to give me a Clinton conspiracy that I might buy into, let's talk about Haiti or let's talk about yes. war or let's talk, you know, like there's so many other things that are kind of weird. There are things the fact that all of a sudden we're in, in the fucking child pornography ring, I'm yeah. like, guys, I just don't think you got any, there's just nothing there. There are yeah. things that you can criticize Hillary for, murdering people and having a kill list isn't one of them. And unfortunately, that's something that's kind of stuck to the Clinton since the early 90s. Right. Mm-hmm. So like a lot of the wacky- Goes all the way to Chris Cornell. <laughs> <laughs> no, I've heard that theory. I definitely that the Clintons had Chris Cornell killed because so on and so forth. Someone actually said that. Yeah. Oh, oh that's a real thing. Up. That is one hundred percent real. One hundred percent real thing that I'd read before. It's fucking crazy pants. All right, I want to respect everyone's time, so we should wrap up. <laughs> but I think we can. Did you want to quick mention the last film that we had? Oh, uh... right. So I we'll just do a quick. One of the things I'd ask Rob since we had some time was like, let's talk about uh, maybe a modern example, a lefty version, maybe that was maybe more on the left, maybe not, but um, that at least would be stylistically a modern thing. And mm. obviously, we we in our conversation talked about the Clinton files and whatever, whatever. But I meant something that our audience might be more. I doubt a lot of people listening to us are like, oh, I've I, seen I, I fucking yeah. love the Clinton. I love Dinesh D'Souza. Yeah. Like that's not. I watch really, Loose Change every weekend. That's not really our audience. But the thing you brought up that I think is worth mentioning is. Uh, room uh, two three seven two three seven. That now I think the difference there is there are distinct differences. I think one of the major differences is that 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 guy is detached. Oh, no, he's completely. not. He's not trying to make a case. Well, I bring that up only because I saw this movie at Fantastic Fest, mm-hmm. and the audience that saw it at first wanted to quiz him about why all these ideas were stupid. 
and I felt like these folks didn't get the movie. So wait, they ask questions like interrogating the ideas? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and that to me was like, I think you guys are missing the point here, which no, is it that is completely. these ideas, he, this Exist. guy thinks are stupid. Yeah. Uh, or maybe he doesn't think they're stupid, but he's at least, he's just presenting them without bias. Like it's just, well, I, See, I think there's a bias in there. That's what I'm saying. This is where me and Rob were discussing. I think there is a bias too. And we're just in a disagreement about how that bias works. So I think for me, I think his bias is like, these are all extreme. And what's interesting is that people believe these things. And for Rob, you seem to think he's laughing at them. In a way, like the way it's presented. So the the animation that happens over them, I remember at one point you see knives over Danny Torrance's head that right. are animated into the thing. Um, there's another point where a guy's talking and he literally excuses himself because you hear his son. And in any other professional documentary, you would not hear that. that wouldn't end up you wouldn't there. hear the kid. You wouldn't hear him excusing himself. And it adds this mm. moment of rupture where you're like, what what is this what what does this accomplish why was this left in here mm. so i think one of the problems one of the things you why you don't see more left leaning pseudo documentaries is because there's this kind of air of a, air of detachment right um where in room 237 for example there's i almost feel like there's a sense of irony in presenting these right mm. and i and and i will support that like that's the response of the director when he was quizzed as if these were his ideas that he was trying to make a case was like, no, this is about these people, that these people think these things and that he finds that interesting. And I think that level of detachment could lead to a sense of mocking. Me personally, I don't know. And maybe that's just because I saw him talk about the movie that I, the feeling I got more was one of fascination more than condescension. Mm-hmm. But um, But that being said... The style of the movie and the way that the ideas are presented did remind me a lot of these pseudo documentaries, uh, even if the oh, point no, totally. of it is not necessarily to make a case the way that like uh, Lake Great Planet, Planet Earth, Earth is. Yeah. yeah, I mean it appropriate like so it also uses techniques like appropriating footage from other films yep, or stuff yeah. from the Demons movies yep, from, and other uh, horror eyes films. Wide shut. Yeah, yep. yeah, yeah. Yep. So it's not directly just looking at. I mean, it's looking at the room, but it's looking, I guess, at like uh, not the room, the uh, Shining. Yeah, it's looking at the cultural impact of this in a way that is. There's almost an element of tourism with these yeah. beliefs, so that's yeah. why I do think it connects. Yeah. You're getting this element of cultural tourism where you're looking yeah. into these crazy worldviews from this detached perspective, where you yeah. can kind of feel superior. Yeah, I mean. I don't know. At I the end of the day, that seems to be the currency that all these movies are peddling. The sense of superiority, the sense of comfort. And absolutely. The sense of, Even with the late great planet Earth, you're right. Because yeah. when you're watching it, you, if, you, if you're on board with it, you get a sense of, like, oh, I yeah, know yeah. something that no one else knows. And they're See, all dumb. The odd thing for me specifically with the late great planet Earth is that I experience the same xenophobia, but not towards me. I, I experience it towards the weird right Christian sure backdrop that is this movie yeah yeah and so like it's effective in what it's trying to accomplish but just in the wrong polarity yeah in 2017 yeah and that's that's and yet those ideas still exist yep. unfortunately. yeah yeah uh, in big ways in it's big insane. ways hey rob yeah thanks for coming on and picking such an interesting topic i feel like we could do a follow-up episode yeah. there's so I much feel like we could talk about, about this do satanic panic hours. episode yes we next really one. we next really one. we really should do a satanic panic episode that's such a great whatever idea. you want uh, next yes. halloween yeah, 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 yeah. or next well, week or next yeah week. i'm into it or maybe sometime in the, in the future right we'll talk to our scheduling guy <laughs> <laughs> uh so rob anything you want to plug before we wrap up here um lots of stuff happens at philomoca all the time you should yep. all go 
to shows, movies. We have a film festival every April, the Philadelphia Film Festival. Yay. Um, we're beginning to look at movies for that. Um, I don't know what's going to make it in, what's not. Eric's a fantastic programmer, and most of what he picks is what makes it into the festival. Right. So go to all of those things. They're all awesome. Yes. Big supporters. We even programmed one time for it, and it was pretty good. It was all right. It was okay. You guys did good. <laughs> it was all right. Anything that you're hyped on, Liam? Um... Let me think. Uh, well, I want to hype up. I, and I've posted about this a couple times. Um, I really like that supporting characters podcast. Yeah, you love that show with Bill Ackerman. Um, I just really like it. He's he's going to be a guest on Cinepunks at some point. Unfortunately, we're just not scheduling masters, so we've only we've only scheduled. <laughs> we'll talk through, to the scheduling guy. We're only scheduled through October, but I want to get Bill in here at some point, just because I think he's really interesting, and I think his show is really interesting. So I highly recommend it. I think it's a cool way to get at film culture through people who engage it but aren't making movies. Um, mm-hmm. So I think that's 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 something I want to uh, promote. Um, I know I don't know that this will be up in time, but in case it is, uh, my friend's band is playing on Sunday. Uh, what is the name of that band? Uh, uh, Solar. We're gonna be so good. They're playing with Page Ninety Nine. <laughs> I don't know yet if I can go. So uh, please come. It's I know be I amazing. want to. It's just hard with Page Ninety Nine. Majority Rule. Solarize yeah. in Callow Hill. It's gonna be intense. It's already sold out. But you know, I know a guy. And and as um, and as always, I gotta uh, I gotta hype up um, the other shows on the network. Um, uh, Blacks on Dispatches. The Mandate. Got me a movie. Check these things out. We have some new ones coming on soon, mm-hmm. um, especially one uh, featuring uh, our own Joe Yannick, who I really like. So I think it's I think all that's going to be great. And uh, October's coming up, and if you want to write something for us for October, uh, some people are like, well, "What do you need?" And I'm like, "Oh, it's, it's Halloween, man." Yeah, like, you know what the you, you know you, what it is. You know what that means. Yeah, if that means you want to do a review of different kinds of candy corn, that might spice be cool. And how much you love or do not love it. Yeah. Write about post horror. Post horror. <laughs> write a write a big essay, a real hot take on post horror. <laughs> Anyways, uh, anything you're trying to to get hype on? I'm hyped on quicksand this Friday. Uh, I'm hyped oh, on playing God. that show on Sunday. You I go think to so many shows. You're I so try. cool. I try. I super try. I super try. Um, so that's I'm seeing Mother tomorrow. Um, other than that. Couple things are coming down the pike for Cinepunks. Once we're all secured with everything and everything's confirmed, we'll announce, and I think it'll be pretty interesting to see what the Yeah, we have some really cool stuff coming up. So, and like I said, if you are in Chicago or you know someone in Chicago, get them to check out Cinepocalypse. Like I want, I I want my thing to sell out, guys. Eric yeah, Roberts man. is the fucking. If man. it doesn't That's sell right. out, I'm going to be real weird. Yeah. yeah. I also want to big up LVAC and Chris Reject for uh, hooking it up with the Solarize shirts, which will be available on Sunday. Also, there are official sponsors. And there are official so sponsors, say... which is why it's pretty good to talk to <laughs> yeah, them. Yeah, com for all your screen printing needs. Please. Those guys are the best. So, you know. They also sell cool gloss and hers shirts, which I was looking at today because I stopped right. in the shop Hers today. are so good. Do they have anything goth? Um, gloss and hers. Okay, cool. <laughs> some of the some of the some of the gloss stuff is kind of goth, line. actually. Yeah, 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 no, you're there. You're there. I'm there's a goth. A, what can there's I a, say? There's a skull and a switchblade that feels yeah, really goth. Yeah, it feels perfect. It's pretty gothy. All, All right. right. Uh, so I guess we'll just wrap up. So that's it. Thanks for listening. Episode seventy. We'll talk to you soon. Yeah. <laughs>